Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Music for a Book podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Britt. And I'm Hannah. And every two weeks, we read and review a book. We pick a song, draw the parallels between the two, chat about everything about the book in between, and have some fun along the way. So welcome back to our very special ninth episode, which also happens to be our birthday episode. Woohoo! Woo! So we're in November, which is our birthday month. My birthday is November 10th. Hannah's is November 11th. We're one day apart, both Scorpios. So, you know, we had to celebrate our birthday because Scorpios love everything about themselves. Oh, absolutely. And this is coming out a little bit after our birthday, but, you know, it's still our episode. We saved a very special book for this episode. We read, we'll be reviewing Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, which I feel like if you are anywhere in the book worlds, you cannot hide from this book. It is literally everywhere. Yeah, I think every book talk girly has read it or has an opinion on it. it definitely has blown up in that world for sure. Today we're going to be doing a dive into this. And if you listened to our last episode, we had changed the formatting a little bit where instead of taking you through the plot, like step by step, walking through a little bit of everything, we had a more free flowing conversation where we hopped around a little bit, but still touched on all the major plot points. So that will be happening for this book. And to be honest, we both really enjoyed it. So I think that's probably going to be our format moving forward. Yep. And especially with the book, this link, Brittany and I could talk for seven, eight hours about this book, but I don't think you guys want to listen to us that long so we'll definitely sh- cut it down a little bit for you exactly so this is also really fun because the second book in this series actually came out a week before this episode is being released so it's not quite out for us yet but it will be out as you're listening to this episode yep so i feel like it'll be a good time to kind of after you read iron flame to listen to this and kind of refresh maybe a little bit of what the first book was all about. Exactly. All right, so for this episode, we will start off by announcing our songs. And so we will pick our songs, and since it is our birthday episode, we did pick two songs. So you get a bonus song with us today. Um, And after that, we will be entering our spoiler zone. So if you have not read Fourth Wing, and you want to read it before you get to hang out with us and gossip about Violet and her life at the War College. Um, I would pause now, come back after you read it, and join us then, because we will talk about spoilers. We'll be bouncing around. If you've only read the first half of the book, pause, read the whole book before, because we will be talking about all those foreshadows that we probably missed the first time around um, as we go through. And then we will draw our parallels for the song, rate our book, and then give you the next book for you guys to read. Yes. Dear Reader Alright, so for this book, uh, Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros, um, the trigger warnings are going to be death, a lot of casual death, there's, it's a war college, just prepare yourself for that. There's violence, war, death of parents, and sexual content too. So it is a fantasy with some romance or smut in there. And I'm just going to read the synopsis that's in the jacket of the hardcover book, because I feel like this is the best way to talk about it without going off the rails. So, 20-year-old Violet Sorengale was supposed to enter the Scribe Quadrant, living a quiet life among books in history. Now, the commanding general, 
also known as her toughest talons mother, has ordered Violet to join the hundreds of candidates striving to become the elite of Navarre, dragon riders. But when you're smaller than everyone else and your body is brittle, death is only a heartbeat away because dragons don't bond to fragile humans. They incinerate them. With fewer dragons willing to bond than cadets, most would kill Violet to better their own chances of success. The rest would kill her just for being her mother's daughter, like Zayden Ryerson, the most powerful and ruthless wing leader in the Riders' Quadrant. She'll need every edge her wits can give her just to see the next sunrise. Yet, with every day that passes, the war outside grows more deadly, the kingdom's protective wards are failing, and the death toll continues to rise. Even worse, Violet begins to suspect leadership is hiding a terrible secret. So friends, enemies, lovers, everyone at the Skyeth War College has an agenda. Because once you enter, there are only two ways out. Graduate or die. All right, now we're going to reveal our song choices. As we've stated in previous episodes, right, we are heavily in our Taylor Swift era. We have branched out just a couple times, but... We are excited to reveal today. So, Britt, you want to go first? I do. I do. We want to reveal one each. Like, do one, one, and then one and one. Yeah, let's just do to that. Make it more fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So, we normally do one song. Like we said earlier, we're doing two. I this normally I'm like, oh, I struggled to pick a song. I struggled to pick a song because I had so many options this time. So, I picked two songs that I'm super excited about. They're both by Taylor Swift because obviously the first song that i picked was don't blame me that was one i was considering for sure beautiful i picked i knew you were trouble love that was also on my list i feel like we're probably gonna have some similarities here Mm -hmm. and then my second song choice i have been dying to pick this as a song because it's one of my all-time favorites but i picked state of grace Ooh, Mm -hmm. i heard it night two live I'm, I still like, even though I didn't know that we were going to lose those songs, like, I will never forgive you for that. No, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> I got This Is Me trying to, so. And Mirabal and Tim McGraw. Like, let's not talk about it. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. My second song is Only the Young. Ooh. I love that. Which I feel like is a very hidden one because, you know, it, I don't feel like a lot of people know it or really realize. Yeah, because it was just really out of Miss Americana. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't watch it, you probably didn't know too much about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to hear about those later. Yes. All right. Riders, are you ready? Let's prepare to enter this Gaieth War College. And this is your spoiler zone, people. So like we said earlier, if you have not read the book, please pause this episode and come back when you do. Otherwise, if you want to hear our interpretation of the plot, characters, our opinions, then stay, hang out with us. Because Fourth Wing really is like a nonstop thrilling adventure fantasy. So we will be diving in for everything. Yep. We also just want to preface this as we head into our spoiler territory that both of us physically read this book. We didn't listen to it on audio. So the pronunciations are probably going to be wrong, at least some of them. So we've looked up a couple of them. We've seen multiple people say it a dozen different ways. And so a couple of them were going off of what Rebecca Yaros, the author herself said, and a couple of them were just going off of what happened in our brains as we were reading this book. So if we pronounce it incorrectly, I promise we're not trying to do it intentionally. It's just, I think that's what happens when you step into a world that's built from the ground up for you. Mm -hmm. And also to start too, I'm a big fantasy reader. 
So I was really excited that um, Britt chose a fantasy book for our podcast. So I'm excited to talk about fantasy. And one thing I love about fantasy books is the map because, you know, it's could be anywhere, right? We don't know what world it really takes place in. So I love when they start yep. out with the map. And I did read this on my Kindle. I have the physical book too, but we are moving and driving cross country. So it was easier just to have my Kindle. Yeah. But I kept like pulling out the book to look at the map because it's not as easy to like flip back and forth with the Kindle. But I love having the map and referencing that. Yeah. And this, I will say I was super excited. Like fantasy really scared me, but growing up, like my favorite series were Harry Potter, Divergent, The Hunger Games, The Maze Runner, like, so I don't understand where along the way I lost, like, the fantasy, the dystopian worlds, but I think as an adult, when I got back into reading, it was, like, thrillers. Yeah, very exciting. As we get started, the beginning, right by the college uh, map, did you notice? I didn't notice it until the end, but... The following text has been faithfully transcribed from Navarian into modern language by Jacenia Neowert, curator of the Scribe Quadrant at Biscayeth War College. All events are true and names have been preserved to honor the courage of those fallen. May their souls be commended to Malin. And I was like, okay, hold on. Because <laughs> now I went back and I was like... <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice this at first because in mm -hmm. the Kindle you kind of just it skips ahead to like the first chapter. So yeah. it wasn't until like I saw somebody on TikTok point it out and I was like, oh, interesting. We'll dive into this too, but how Biscayeth is kind of separated is different quadrants. So it's a war college where you go kind of choose which really area of study that you want to take on. So there's the writer's quadrant, the healer quadrant, scribe quadrant, an infantry quadrant you kind of choose that and that is your path so the scribes are the ones that record all history right any history is written by them recorded mm -hmm. in the scribe quadrant so you know this little like tidbit right at the beginning of the book makes you kind of wonder like okay who has fallen was kind of my thing is like <laughs> who, what who are we preserving here right like yeah and Jacinia is in the book and now she's the curator of the scribe quadrant so like how far in the future was this mm -hmm. translated from yep Jacinia is one of Violet's friends growing up so they kind mm -hmm. of enter college at the same time so if now she's the curator of the scribe quadrant like Britt said right how many years in the future is this being kind of looked back on yep so every chapter has a header and the header is various quotes, articles from different codexes, things like that. So the book starts out by saying, a dragon without its rider is a tragedy. A rider without their dragon is dead. And that is article one, section one, the dragon rider's codex. So the book starts out immediately just saying, conscription day is always the deadliest. So immediately there's like no hi hello how are you it's it's conscription day yep so we're introduced to our main character violet and i feel like in this first couple paragraphs we realize that she might not be the top candidate for the writer's quadrant right because she talks about like she's barely able to climb six flight of stairs 
and that she's just so fucked that like this is just not she hasn't had time to prepare for this like she's had six months um, to kind of go through this and get ready to get ready for a conscription day. We see that there are thousands of 20 year olds. So this college, the first years are all 20 years old and they're waiting outside to enter their chosen quadrant. But Violet has been training her entire life to be a scribe. Like Hannah said, the people who write down history, her father was a scribe. That's what she's been training for. Violet's father has died and her mother, who is General Sorengale, Lilith Sorengale, has demanded, demanded that Violet be a writer. And we see very clearly that Violet is not, she was not meant for this. So she says that everyone has had training to be a writer basically since birth. And so as Violet's making her way to like get ready for conscription day, she's talking to her mom and her sister. And her sister is six years older than her, um, went through the writer's quadrant, is also a writer. And just arguing with their mom, General Soringel, that Violet should not be a writer, that she's her whole life, you know, ready to be a scribe. And her sister Mira is like, nope, like Violet cannot be a writer. Like this is not going to work. And trying to convince her mom to change her mind by basically saying like, you're sending her to die. Um, because it's well known that if you enter the writer's quadrant, it's like a 50-50 ch- chance whether you're going to survive or not. So there's a Nice little argument going on between the Sorengale ladies. Yep. Oh, and even to get to this point in the college, these kids have had to take a test. Like, everyone who doesn't pass the test and does not get to go to Biscay at the War College ends up, like, fodder on the front lines for the war. And so it's already the best of the best who have been there. And so Violet did pass the test by some incredible scraping by but we find out that on conscription day for the writer's quadrant immediately first day on average 40 to 50 kids die immediately right off the bat i would not survive yeah no absolutely not are you kidding (laughs) no no and oh we also find out too that not only has Violet's father passed away, but her brother Brennan, who was also a writer, and he was a mender, one of the rarest signets, which we'll talk about later. And as Violet's getting ready for this, we find out too, like she will not have contact or really be able to acknowledge her mom or her sister for the next three years while she's in this writer squadron, if she survives the writer squadron. The thing is, like, she's our main character, so I would assume she's going to survive, but... You just never know. Never know. I I assumed Triss was going to survive in Divergent, too, and look what happened. Same. Oh, my God. Listen, Allegiant nearly put me into a coma. I was so mad at it. I was so mad. Yeah. (laughs) Side note. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, going off of that, though, I did get like adult divergent vibes from this like out of Mm. all of the series i feel like divergent was like the most similar to this in terms of what i've read in the past because i feel like you know with like harry potter right is the big one that people compare it to with the houses Mm -hmm. they're not very like distinct right like slytherin has the bad rep right like oh my gosh you're gonna be you know a death eater right but you can kind of be whatever you want from whatever house you choose right 
but with like divergent like the factions like it's very separate right yes. like what you're gonna be doing for the rest of your life it's one clear path so i think that's where like fourth wing gave me that vibe is like all right you have one clear path if you're gonna be a rider you're gonna be a rider yes 100 percent. so violet gets ready because mira like throws all of her shit out and is like you're literally gonna die in the parapet if you take this with you you can barely walk upstairs with it and we find out the parapet is the first test that these kids have as riders to enter the rider's quadrant at the Skya. And the parapet is like, I thought of it in my head, it looks like the edge of like a castle, but like a bridge mm -hmm. across like an open valley. And it's no wider, she says, than I think 18 inches at any given moment. You just have to walk across it open air. And if you fall, you're falling 200 feet and you're dying. Like that, there's nothing. It's get across or fall and die. Yes. Okay. So, one thing that I noticed, right? Like going back and reading this now, and people, like we said, I we're going to talk about spoilers. Um, yes. I'm going to bring up something on page seven right now that probably isn't discussed until like the hundreds. Did you highlight I it? it last night? <laughs> yes. The which the about um. The demonized dragons. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just noticed that. I just reread it. So one of the things that Mira throws out of Violet's pack is this book that Violet's dad gave her. And, you know, Violet is, like, defensive. Like, you know, like, dad gave me this one. And so she, <laughs> like, holds it tight and she thinks, you know, like, maybe it's childish. Just a collection of stories that warn us against the lure of magic and even demonized dragons. But it's all I have mm. left. And her sister's like... It's just an old book of book of folklore about dark wielding vermin and their wyvern. And I laughed when she said I vermin. <laughs> highlighted the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, like re-looking back, I'm like demonized dragons. So I'm like, are dragons bad? Like, are the dragons going to turn yeah. out to be bad? That's what I was sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh. And then also we have so many theories that we've been watching on TikTok and that we've been coming up with. So we're going to try and stick to the plot and talk theories. Yes. At the end. But I just had that one that just stood out to me because I was like, I did not see that before. No, and I, yeah, I didn't notice it. And I think that's what, like, a book like this probably warrants a second read. Yeah. Because you missed so many things the first time. All right. Anyway, so yes. So cross it. Yeah, I, I pictured it too as like a castle bridge, like a very yes. thin like, castle bridge with like the very pale, like falling apart cinder blocks basically holding it together mm -hmm. and so she does have to cross the parapet as does do all of the other writers uh candidates that are going across and this is what conscription day is like entering your quadrant beginning your career within this college and i don't think there's really another quadrant that's uh quite like this one quite quite like the writer's quadrant and mira her sister makes her put on these specific boots that have grip on them because she's like you are literally gonna fall right off if you wear these shoes that have no tread and so she's swapping things out she's getting things going for her and we also see that she gives her these like leathers that are very specific and she tells her to just wear them all the time what i thought was really cool was that these leathers are made from the scales from mira's dragon yes which is so freaking cool 
So that means that Violet literally has a built-in shield on her physical person. Which comes in handy. Yes. <laughs> um, because at, at Beskayeth and in the Rider Squadron, people can just, like, kill you in any time. Except in your sleep. And if they're in your immediate squad. Violet's like, I'm basically gonna, like, I'm ready to die. And something else that I noticed, I thought about it later, and I didn't realize it until now, but Mira said... I need you to be careful because I see storm clouds coming in. And all of the riders develop like basic magic over time. But when they bond with the dragon, they have something called a signet. And it's like their special bonded power that they receive from their dragon. And so Violet's mom, Lilith, her power is to wield storms. And I thought about that later and I was like, did this bitch start a storm while she was crossing the parapet? Definitely. 100%. Absolutely. Like, there's no question in my mind. Like, that's a theory that people have thrown out there that I'm like, no, 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 that's that happened. But then it makes you think too, like, why did she do it? Did she do it just to kind of test Violet to like push her or did she do it maliciously? You know, it kind of goes... Back and forth, because I feel like Lilith seems like the kind of mom, too, that's going to put her children, like, through fire because she knows they can handle yes. it, you know? Yes. And I, that was something I, because immediately my mind is like, oh, my God, she was trying to kill her. But you're right, though. Like, she knows that Violet is at a disadvantage alone just for her size and what she's been through. So maybe this was her first test to be like, if she can make it across this, maybe that'll give her the... The push yeah. that she needs to Or she be was better. trying to, like, weed out the other candidates, too. And, like, maybe... Totally. If she can wield the storm, too, like, she could probably put, like, a little bubble around Violet. Yeah. Absolutely. And then Mira also uh, tells Violet to go find Dane Ados. Mm-hmm. Our boy Dane. 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 It's such high hopes. Dane is so... Gale coded. Yes. He is such a Gale. Yeah. He, Dane yeah. is Gale. Like, I'm so sorry. But yeah, Dane is Gale. Yes. One and the same. You cannot convince me otherwise. Mm hmm. Yep. That I had like such high hopes, like, mm-hmm. wanted the best and then just. Ah, oh, fucking Dane. I just, I feel like, so Dane is her childhood best friend that she grew up with. Her mom and his dad have been like every assignment together so they spend a lot of time together as kids dane is a second year in the writer's quadrant and so mira is like fine dane like he is a safe person because the minute that people find out that violet's last name is sorengale or the minute that they see her hair like a lot of writers have their hairs cut their hair cut really short because it can be dangerous in battle but the sorengales have like this very particular like fade to silver on the end I was like, okay, like, totally get it. Find a familiar face, find someone that you trust. And I was like, cool, Dane. But he immediately, like, infantilizes her. Mm-hmm. And is like, you can't be here. And she's like, I don't know what you want me to tell you. Like, my mom said, I either graduate from here or I die. Like, those are my options. Yeah. And, like, Violet just made it across. 
Oh yeah, Violet crosses the parapet, which I mean, it's eleven pages into the book. We would hope that she crosses the parapet. Yeah. But like that's a like a feat because already like people have fallen off the parapet, like and died. Mm-hmm. So Violet made it across. So that's like oh. a big deal. Yeah, and I feel like you probably picked up on it immediately. I did too, but I saw a lot of people confused why Dylan died immediately. And I was like, that's how it works. Yeah. Like like, so Violet was in line and she meets a girl named Rhiannon who she ends up becoming really close with. And then she meets a boy named Dylan. And Dylan, like, had been training his whole life and he's engaged and he had the rings, like, on a little necklace and, like, patted them for good luck as he went across. Was I sad about it? Yes. But I knew. I was like, that fucker's not making it across. There's no way. There's no way. And Violet switches boots with Rhiannon to make sure because Rhiannon's boots would have her slip too. So Just like, one boot. Yeah, they like traded one boot. One boot. So Violet has one boot that is too big for her, one boot that's like a rider's boot, and then Rhiannon has one boot that's too small for her. And they did it right before they go up. But before she goes on the parapet, Mira says one more thing too. So she said to find Danados. And she also said, stay the hell away from Zayden Ryerson. We're like, who's Zayden? Right? I mean, fantasy, right? You're always like, ooh, who's the villain? Like, yeah. in real life, yeah. would I go for the villain? No. I mean, love my husband to death, but he has a golden retriever. The best, the best husband I could ask for. But <laughs> in these fantasy books, like, who's that dark-haired villain? For sure. Where is he? <laughs> and we find out that Zayden is, he's the son of Fen, and Fen was a leader of the rebellion. There's three Sorengale kids. There's Brennan, who's the oldest, um, Mira, the middle, and then Violet's the youngest. Brennan died in battle, one of the rebellion battles, and Fen Ryerson was the um, separatist who killed Brennan. And their dad too, the Sorengale, Papa Sorengale, he died of like a, basically a heart attack, and it was soon after Brennan died. General Sorengale oversaw the execution of Fen Ryerson, and so Mira is like, Zayden. Once he finds out who you are, he's going to fucking murder you. Like he's going to murder you. And I was like, no, he's right. No, he'll be a good guy. <laughs> no, he'll be fine. But basically, there are marked kids. So Zayden is one of them. All of the children whose parents were part of the rebellion, who were the separatists, now wear, like, physically marked on them. Rebellion relics. Kind of as currency and as trade for their parents having these wrongdoings against the war at stake. These children are forced to go into the Rider's Quadrant because... They can't execute children, but this is the closest they can get to it. Yep. Otherwise, though, to be a rider, you have to volunteer for it because it is such a dangerous world to live in. Unless you're Violet Sorengale, then you get voluntold. Yep. <laughs> then you have no choice. Oh, we need one other character as Violet's crossing the parapet. And oh, God, did oh, I hate him. I Oh, my God. I hated him. Yeah, I just, I just hated Jack. And side note, fucking worst. Yeah. Jack is a fucking asshole. And on the parapet, like he waited 
for another candidate to walk up and then literally just like yeeted him off the side because he could. Yeah. Like he just has like a thirst for blood. And I'm like, that's a fucking sociopath. Mm -hmm. Zayden is not a villain. Jack is a villain. Yes. Like, mm -mm. also, also, there's one other thing that I start on page 20 in the physical book. Uh -huh. And I did this last night as I was preparing. Violet has a conversation with Zayden because he overhears that this is General Sorengale's daughter. And Zayden says, your mother captured my father and oversaw his execution. And Violet said, your father killed my older brother seems like you're even. And Zayden says, hardly. Like, what does he know? Yeah. What does he know? What does he know? Yep. Um, and then, you know, Dylan dies. He's so, yeah, Jack then, like, is running after Violet on the parapet. It's fucking storming. She's slipping and falling. She can barely make it across. She's using, like, her knowledge of being a scribe to kind of help her focus. Like, just listing things about this world. And gonna be honest, I'm probably not comfortable enough to talk about the world around it. Because, like, I just, I read it once. And then yeah. I've gone through and, like, you know highlighted a bunch of stuff so i'm not super confident with like the different provinces and whatever they have going on but um yeah jack follows her all the way across and like literally catches up to her and almost gets her across the parapet but she steps into the rider's quadrant and he's still up on top of the parapet and I did love this, but Violet whips out a dagger and she just like, just holds it against him. Just holds it against his dick, basically. <laughs> yep. And then he's mad. Then he's really mad. But unfortunately, the shit with Jack just like does not end. No. He is trying to murder her at like every given turn. The next few chapters really kind of help build the world, especially the war mm -hmm. college world. Gets you a little bit of background on the other characters, and you learn a little bit more about, you know, the generals, who's there, um, just those details. But one thing mm -hmm. that kind of stood out to me during this part and made me, like, hate Dane is when, like, he tr just basically wants her to escape. Like, like, I know you made it, like, across. <laughs> Let's get you to this tribe quadrant. And... Dane kind of breaks down a little bit more, like we talked about, like the signets, kind of what everybody gets. And his power is he can see recent memories of people by touching their face. And he specifically says putting his hands on someone's temples. I don't believe his ass. No. Mm -mm. Not at all. Dane does try to protect her, even though at every given turn in this fucking book, He's like, you have to escape. She literally passes test after test, even though she's battered and bruised. Like, she still does it. And she manages to survive. And she manages to not be one of the first 70 cadets or candidates to die the first day. And he still is like, oh my god, Violet. Like, you're so frail and so weak and so fragile. Oh, and like, can't. let's just like sneak you over there and she's like my mom will kill me if i if i do that like i'm confused why you're confused about why right? i can't leave here 
they do get separated into in the college they have sections and squads so there are four wings and there are three squads in each section and three sections in each of the four wings they start sectioning them off and dane made sure that rhiannon and violet were going to be in his squad and we find out too that dane is a squad leader and that is the highest rank you can be above a wing leader or under a wing leader rather it is very rare for second years to be in that position unless they are exceptional so we can see violet have like these like oh dane okay like are we finally are we gonna do this like are we gonna get together and i thought they might maybe like for like for a little yeah but they get placed in two second squad in the flame section on second wing with Dane and then all of a sudden Zayden who is the wing leader of the fourth wing calls them all over to have a conversation and we find out that they ordered Dane to swap squads in squad positions with another squad leader named Aura, which means that they have been moved to the fourth wing and Zayden is their wing leader. Yep. And, you know, so we think definitely that Zayden's trying to keep Violet as close as possible just to, like, execute her at the right time, right? So we, as much as we, at this point in the book, want to think that Zayden is, you know, the enemies to love her. He is still the enemy right now. So we're like, but what is he up to? What is this move? Um, why is he you know, making this big deal, right? I feel like this isn't a small move to make to switch a whole squad. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, especially to make like a scene out of it in front of everyone. Like he said, no, no, we will not be doing that. Satan is so like dramatic and Theatrical. Oh my god, he's so dramatic. <laughs> so fucking dramatic. I love it, though. Yep. We get to meet dragons, though, for the first time here, too. So, we we meet some dragons, and these fuckers are big. Yeah. Massive. Basically, they're there only because they, like, get the signet power from humans, and they are protecting the veil, so it's a valley behind Beskaya that the dragons call home and they're protecting the veil from griffins and we see those a little bit later but basically like dragons can incinerate a human in like 0.3 seconds and can destroy nearly everything so they have like a running relationship with the dragons and basically you just don't want to piss a dragon thank god honestly like the, I mean we wouldn't be reading this because everyone no. would be dead yeah like these these dragons come up and i did think it was a little funny because this would totally be me like let's say i actually made it across the parapet and then a dragon flies up and then i got so scared that i like screamed and ran away the dragons just like incinerate people on the spot yeah there are a few different dragons that we see two that are green like mira's dragon there's one brown like her mom's one orange and then there's a massive enormous navy dragon in front of them 
and we find out that that dragon is scale the nanny dragon is like making eye contact with violet in a way that she's like i'm probably gonna die here like i might die instead of getting scared though she kind of like puffs her chest up and like locks into place to be like i'm not scared and the navy dragon decides to just you know she like either had a nod of approval or something like that but we find out that Sigail is actually Zayden's dragon. That was our first intro- introduction to to the dragons here. The first time that Violet like has a moment where she realizes that Zayden is like watching her. I made a note of this because like she said the hairs on the back of her neck stand up and a chill races down her spine. And every time that Zayden enters a room that she is in, she has like a visceral reaction to him being there. So one of the, so it is a war college, so they do take different classes. And one of the classes that they're required to attend is Battle Brief. So Battle Brief kind of remains this um, consistent class that is talked about throughout. So, you know, all the first years are required to attend. Um, Most of the second and third years are there as well. So this is where we kind of, they kind of go through either hypothetical situations or current situations happening out in the war and kind of brainstorm and problem solve through in this room to get kind of that mindset down and it's also to prepare them because if a war breaks out the second third years even if the first years might have to be called into service so they just try to kind of prepare them as best they could with just different situations and different Um, tactics to run through and another class or time that they have is in the gym which is where they spar and practice like hand-to-hand combat and this again i was like this is so divergent like this is so like this is such a moment in the divergent realm but basically they have like an assessment to test like where they are skill set wise during the assessment like someone has a fat lip you know it's just it's not supposed to be like a deadly one but during these sessions like as they go on people can and will die during them it's intense it is however fucking jack barlow on assessment day decides to literally snap someone's neck because he's an absolute piece of shit during sparring so he just wraps his arms around his neck and goes yeah and kills a kid, uh, cadet. I I hate him. That's literally the those were the words about to come out of my mouth. Like, yeah. Every time he I read about him, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like, l- you are so awful. Yeah. So one other cool thing that Mira did uh, provide for Violet is this little book that Brennan wrote when he was going through the Riders Quadrant. He wrote him like these letters towards Mira to kind of help guide her through different challenges, the gauntlet, different things, sparring, just kind of like little tips and tricks. Um, So Mira did pass it on to Violet. So like throughout her time, she's able to, you know, have Brennan's perspective on things and just kind of gives her a little bit more insight, like knowledge to move forward and that confidence piece. Yeah. Yeah, I loved reading those little, like, lines up at the top. And 
you know, the headers on top of each of the chapters are kind of, you know, like a little mini foreshadow to what's to come in the chapters, which I did really like. And I loved reading from Brennan's perspective because he was like a no bullshitter in the book with Mira. Mm -hmm. One night, Violet does come upon Zayden and a group of kids that have rebellion relics having like a cult moment wearing hoods outside in the middle of the night yep <laughs> and so she just like sits up in a tree and watches them they have this meeting about like more or less like all of the rebellion relic children and like how they are one like they take care of each other even if they're in different sections, quadrants, things like that. And by taking care of each other, they basically are like, don't fucking die because we've already lost this many people. Zayden just so happens to know that Violet's there after she heard them say, when do we get to kill Violet Zorngu? So like, you know, she's having the time of her life up in that tree. Zayden finds out because his signet is shadow wielding. From what I've learned on TikTok, everyone loves a shadow daddy. Yeah. Asriel from Akatar, he's the best. I am, I promise, I promise that I will read Akatar. <laughs> I am going to do it. Um, now that I have dipped my toe into fantasy, I feel like I can be mentally prepared for what's to come. Even though I don't think you're ever mentally prepared. No. When Zayden does reveal that he knew Violet was there the whole time, she like starts throwing daggers at him and is just That's, like, yeah. oh, you missed. It should be noted too, this is just like a, in the writer squadron, because you never know if and when you're going to die at any point, they're like very uninhibited. They basically all just sleep together all the time because they might as well yeah. enjoy their lives while they have them. Violet is like, I would love to do that, but like her heart is like with Dane and it doesn't like feel right. So she just doesn't. Violet is getting her fucking ass handed to her in these fights, right? Through Brennan's book, she finds out where the names are posted of who she would be fighting that day because sparring or out you know out winning your opponent doesn't always mean physically she uses her knowledge to minorly poison all of her opponents yeah before they come into the sparring ring she's on <laughs> breakfast duty so she's able to kind of control and administer these poisons to her sparring partners um to kind mm -hmm. of make sure it hits them right when like they're ready to fight um so she keeps winning and except one time she miscalculated um when the poison was going to hit her opponent so when it came time to that match her opponent was already in the healer's quadrant like already trying to um get better so none other than our boy zayden decides to step up and spar with Violet. Ugh. And Dane's kind of been showing his hand at this point, too. Like, he... So this is what really... Like, before I even knew how bad it could be with Dane, like, what genuinely pissed me off so much is that he lacked any and all faith in Violet fucking period. Like... Yeah. He didn't believe she was capable of literally anything except writing down history and translating it and keeping a library. I don't know. It just really like, you know, she would be sparring and then he would like show his hand even more. He would like literally fling it out for everyone to see by his like strong emotional reaction to it. 
And that just made both of them an even greater target for how he reacted and handled things. And a few pages, like a while back, even Zayden was like, do you guys have to be so fucking obvious about it? Right. Even when, like, nothing actually had happened between them. But, like, there was that, like, little bit of tension. But every time Violet interacted with Dane, I was like, can we eliminate this tension? Because he is a piece of shit. Yeah. It's like, I was just like, how can you even tolerate somebody that doesn't think you're worth it? Like, how? That's why I started to like Zayden, like, right away. Because I was like, all right, he has faith in Violet. Like, Mm -hmm. Dane has no faith. He's like, let's just get you out of here. Let's just get you out of here. Like, trying to protect her, but Dane, be better. Yep. Something we want to go over real quick, too, is, like, why they're doing the things that they're doing, basically. So, not only is it to train for, like, to for war and for them to be prepared to be dragon riders and be on the front lines to protect the veil and all of that. So, they have to get through their sparring, their battle brief. They, you know, get ready for all of that. But the first thing that they have to do is get through this gauntlet. And this gets them onto the field where what something will call be called the threshing is being held. So the gauntlet is so what I pictured in my mind was literally American Ninja Warrior, but like in stone. Mm-hmm. On like a Mario, like a Super Mario plane of existence, if that Same. makes sense in any way. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense because that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it's like it's the these outrageous obstacles that go up the side of this like rocky cliff that get them up to the top of the field. And that's the only way up for them to get there. So like if they can't make it, they don't get a dragon. Yep. Even during practices, people die. People fall off of this. Like, it's really scary. But because Violet is so petite and so little and so small and frail, um, she has to get creative with how the hell she can get up there because the last part of it is the the wall from American Ninja Warrior. It is, in my opinion, it's just, it's just, it's the ramp that they have to run up and yep. like hold up top. But she's too small to do it so we'll talk about that more later but they have to get past the gauntlet then they go to the threshing um and once they get up don't they like they have to walk through like a field of dragons first yeah it's like a um they do like almost like a parade so yes. they go through a parade of like all the dragons that are willing to bond that year so they have to yep. you know walk slow kind of present themselves and the dragons kind of you know judge them as they walk through and no one is safe on this walk yeah when they're doing like the grand parade like the walk they are being presented on presentation day to the dragons prior to the threshing so they can kind of sense out what this group of cadets looks like they have to stand like a few feet apart and there are a couple of people in their section like on their squad there are a bunch of smart asses that are like bad mouthing the dragons and stuff and like i just i'm like how stupid and ignorant and arrogant can you be right because two three people get immediately incinerated on their walk over yeah and it's because the dragons can sense like i don't like you bye yep and the dragons don't want to be embarrassed by their no. human so yep they have the gauntlet 
Then they go through this like walk for threshing. So threshing is where the dragons and riders officially bond. But during this parade this year, there is a um, a feather tail. Nothing is known about the feather tails. Like they are, they have never been known to bond. Um, they haven't. There's like no information on them. And you know, Violet like thinks about her time in the scribe quadrant too, and is like, no, there's no like what information are there? Um, but there is one feather tail, and she is a gold little tiny dragon who people start to make fun of on this walk and Violet kind of gets like defensive as they're making it through like Violet has this like weird pull towards Zayden like things just keep getting like just more intense around him um like I said she feels him every time he walks into a room there's just like something off about it and every time Dane opens his big fat mouth, he pushes Violet away more and more. So, um, but their, their squad, the one that Violet and Rhiannon are in, is the largest remaining squad after the gauntlet is over versus every other squad in the rider's quadrant. So they have to, like, if a rider does not bond with a dragon, which is during the threshing, they can re-enter the Riders College as a first year and do it all over again, but the risks are all the same. Like, they can still die at any given moment. There's someone named Sawyer, so it's his second go around in this, so he kind of, like, helps lead them. Oh, and D fucking Dane, I just... He just keeps saying, like, I don't want to bury you. Don't do this. Go be a scribe. And I'm like, my brother in Christ, it is... We are too far into this now. Like, it's... I don't know what you want us to do right i'm confused you're confused and along the way he keeps touching her face he keeps touching her face and i know that fucker is reading her recent memories mm -hmm. so she did not reveal she did not reveal that she saw zayden with the other kids with the rebellion relics that night but Dane touched her face shortly after, which means that he might have known about it. And every time it says Dane cups her face, I didn't think much of it because I just thought he was being patronizing until yeah. later. You know, I just thought he was like, oh, my poor sweet pilot, don't do that. Like, that's what I was picturing as I was reading it. Um, I definitely picked up on a couple of things, but... I was just kind of reading it at face value and enjoying mm -hmm. it like for what it was as it went through without trying to look too far into everything. But I like I kind of want to reread it. Right. And to find out like just different. Yeah. Like the different things. I also thought I might listen to it on audio since I know like so, the different like the different things from it. I think they're coming out with a graphic audio too. Oh, yes. I would love that. I don't know if it's already out or not, but. Um, but I think they're coming out with one if it's not out yet. It's coming. That would be so good to be able to, like, separate all the characters. So, they make it up the gauntlet. Uh, Violet makes it up by getting creative because Zayden... So, Zayden, what I, I love so much is that he continually gets fucking mad at Dane for holding her back. And I'm like, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Zayden Ryerson, I love you. 
And he pushes Violet to her limits because that's what's going to happen. Like, Dane is doing nothing as a section leader to, like, prepare Violet for what's to come. Instead, he's just continually holding her back and being like, no, don't do it. You can't. But Zayden's the one that's like, if you can't make it up because it's too tall, you're not going to make it up unless you get fucking creative and figure it out. Yep. So after presentation day, threshing, it comes up. So threshing mm -hmm. always takes place on October 1st. Whether it's a Monday, Wednesday, Sunday, it doesn't matter. October 1st is threshing day. Chapter 13 is where we kind of are introduced to threshing. And we see Violet with her mantra again, I will not die today. And so, you know, the cadets are all talking about, oh, who are you going to go for, right? So they went through the presentation, kind of got an idea of what dragons are going to be available to bond. So everyone kind of has an idea of who they want to look for in threshing. And threshing can be pretty dangerous too. So, you know, if the dragons decide they don't like you anymore, you're gone. And there are more cadets than dragons. So there's ultimately people that will not bond during this threshing. Mm -hmm. And Violet mentions that she doesn't really feel connected to any of the dragons. That she, you know, doesn't really know which one she's going to go for, that she just didn't really feel that connection. So we will see. We just hope that she does bond with somebody out on the field. We mentioned the golden feather tail. And so during the threshing, there's a flash of gold from the feather tail who, again, feather tails don't bond. Like they're not part of really like the understanding of dragons and how they work. And Violet's like, has not found a dragon to bond with during the threshing. She's watching cadets fly off on dragons time and time again. And she sees this golden dragon, which is a feather tail. And like I said, the feather tail is like just kind of chilling, not known to bond. I think just kind of watching. So Jack, Orin, and Tynan, these, the three fucking stooges here, the three morons, decide that instead of trying to find a dragon to bond with, they're going to try and kill the golden feather tail. Like why? Like that should not be your priority. That already like red flag, red flag. I mean, I already don't like them. But like threshing is about bonding with a dragon. Why are you out to kill a dragon? Like that's going to not put you in good favor with other yeah. dragons. And the leadership literally said before they got started, wasn't it like they ran the statistics because like you were less likely to be bonded and more likely to be incinerated if you walk around in groups versus than if you do it alone mm -hmm. and so violet being the person that she is with the empathy that she has is like you know hanging out in the side and she decides to go save the golden feather tail dragon mm -hmm. these fuckers hunted this dragon walked all the way up there and they were like he he we're gonna kill a dragon. We're gonna kill a dragon. <laughs> and so Violet runs into the field with the the golden feather tail and is like, "Go! You have to leave. Fly. Go. Run." <laughs> she doesn't do anything. The dragon doesn't even have. She doesn't have claws yet either, right? Mm -hmm. This thing is just like a giant puppy with no claws on, like with wings. Yep. Just a little baby. 
and even so like you know the guys approach and right so like scorch them like do something like defend yourself and so then she turns her attention back to the guys and is like you can't kill the dragon like that goes against everything we believe in and yeah jack just continues to focus on this mission which is to kill this dragon and so violet decides you know what they're gonna have to go through me like i'm gonna fight them off and then a voice is heard across the field and it just says i would strongly recommend you rethink your actions and violet instantly says it's his voice that her scalp prickles and everybody's head turns in his direction and Zayden is leaning against the tree uh, with his dragon, Sigal, that navy blue dagger tail. Yep. You know, Violet's like, this is it. This is my moment. But Zayden is not allowed to interfere physically with what's happening. Like none of the section leaders, the wing leaders, they cannot interfere with the threshing between the cadets and the dragons. Mm-hmm. What if we don't want to rethink our actions (laughs) and i'm like he's so annoying oh my god like shut up zayden is basically like listen it is not me that you you boys need to worry about today it is not me she's (laughs) pleading with this golden dragon she's like so can you fly why can't you fly fly away do something do something please (laughs) i'm trying to save you Oh yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't have claws. Violet caused them paws, which immediately made the dragon cute to me. Yeah, I was like, precious little sweet baby. Yep. They start attacking Violet because they're like, oh cool, we'll get to take out two weaklings in one in one go. We'll take out the weak dragon and the weak rider. Boom, done. Our mission is accomplished. Violet fights them. Yeah, she fights. It's three on one, and Violet has. She's small. But she's fast. Like, she has her daggers. She's agile. And Zayden and Sigal are just watching in the wings as this is happening. So Mm -hmm. she clips Jack's shoulder. And he's like, oh, you fucking bitch. You hurt my shoulder. And I'm like, she should have done much worse. Yes. If you open your big fat mouth one more time. Right? One more time. I will jump through this book and do it myself. 100%. And so while they're fighting too, like um, like Britt said, Zayden and Sigal are kind of watching, and the guys are like, oh, "You can't interfere, Zayden. You can't." And he's like, "I'm not. I'm just narrating." So he's like, you know, talking about behind you to Violet, and Violet's kind of confused because she, you know, Zayden's here and he's on her side, like warning her about when they're about to attack and just little things like that. Yep. Oh, Jack, this little fucking baby. I feel like I've said fuck more than any other podcast. He (laughs) pisses me off. He runs away like a little, oh, a little scared, scared, sad boy. Right. Pisses me off. Sigail is pissed. Tynan's about to basically take Violet down. And all of a sudden, he like staggers backward as Zayden steps forward and she's like holy shit is Zayden Ryerson like going to step outside and save me but that's not what happened because standing with the adorable pod golden feather tail 
is a giant, massive, incredible scarred black wing of the biggest dragon that pretty much anyone has ever seen in their lives. There was one unbonded black dragon, like we said, that has not bonded with anyone for a long time because his rider died and he has not bonded with anyone else. Violet is like, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. Yeah. This is it. But all of a sudden, in her brain, in her little brain, there's a male voice that says, step aside, silver one. And she like thinks to herself like, wait, what? Did he just speak to me? And she's thinking this and he responds, yes, you move. And she just notes that there's zero argument in his tone. And so she immediately just follows orders. The big black dragon um, just focuses on Tynan and just blasts him, incinerating everything in the path. So goodbye, Tynan. You should not have tried to kill the dragon or Violet. Exactly. We find out that this dragon, his name is Taren. We just call him Taren. Taren? <laughs> Only the rider can pronounce his full name. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly why we pronounce it Taryn. His name is Taryn, and he's talking to Violet in her brain. And he's basically like, you should end, like, the enemy at your feet. And it's Orin, whose lifeless body is still there. Violet's like, I won't kill an unconscious man. And the dragon's like, he just tried to murder you. Kill him. And basically, she's like, that's a statement on his character, not mine. Like, okay, fair. I think Violet's still confused as to what's happening. Zayden and Segale fly off into the distance and leave her there. And the dragon, Taryn, goes, like, let's go. Come on. Get on my back. Like, it's time to go. And she's like, what? Like, what? And can I just say, I think Taryn is the funniest fucking character in this whole book. I laughed yes. so much at his quotes. He's my favorite. I love him. I think he's so funny. Yeah, so Taryn, the black dragon, the unbonded black dragon, has chosen Violet. Crazy. Absolutely insane. And so they land back on the field. And... Once you're bonded with a dragon, you have to note down your dragon's full name and that'll be your official, you know, record of that bond. Violet goes up, says Taryn's name, and while she's doing this is when we find out that the little gold dragon is like, tell him my name too, tell him my name too. <laughs> There's one thing though that I found that I was waiting to get to. Like, they're going yeah. back and forth, and Taryn's like, I, like, chose you because of your intelligence. Like, this is not just about your physical prowess. Like, this is about the things that you have done. This is because you tried to save the little one. This is, like, on mm -hmm. your character. But the one thing that he says is on page 172. He says, I know exactly who and what you are, Violet Zorngale. What is she? And I see, like, he goes on to explain the things that she is. I think this means something else. I think that there's 
more. Yeah, because because the thing is, like, I understand that he wants to protect Andarna, right? Like, you know, that's somebody he feels responsible with. But this is one of the biggest dragons, the most intense dragons, like the only unbonded black dragon. Yep. Like, if he's going to bond with somebody, like, there's got to be a huge significant reason as to why and who he is going to choose to bond with. Mm-hmm. We realized, too, that, like, the bonded riders with their dragons, because Taryn's been talking to her in her head, and she's been responding out loud. But they can communicate via thought with their bonded mm-hmm. dragon. And so once Violet confirms that it was both dragons, all hell breaks loose. Like, this has never happened before two dragons bonding with a rider and somebody that like the quadrant has deemed the weakest link yeah two getting like two not only two dragons but one of the most wanted dragons it's crazy taryn also mentioned something that kind of struck me it's not odd but we find out quickly why but he said he tells violet to stay close to the wing leader until they return and Violet's thinking, like, surely he meant squad leader, like, Dane. I'm like, why would he say Dane? Dane is not going to protect you. And Taryn is like, nope, you heard what I said. Oh, my God. Dane, I'm going to, every time I read something that stupid Dane says, I want to throw this book across the room. So, she has bonded with not one, but two dragons. One being the single most powerful, largest dragon that they've seen in pretty much recent history. No one's ever bonded with two dragons. And do you mind know what Dane does? Dane is like, oh, Violet, come here, come here. Um, You're going to have to choose. And she's like, I am not choosing. I am not choosing because they're dragons. Right? I will not do that. And he's like, no, 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 you have to choose. And then you have to choose Indarna, the small golden one. She's the safest choice of the two. And I was like, the safest the safest and like I just I'm like Dane is this real and he's like oh it has to be Andarna like I know she's too small to bear a rider but like you know you'll be able to ride and they'll they'll make you like a permanent instructor here Dana's just like, even if you take her into combat, there's only a chance that you'll be killed. Like, you take Taryn, Zayden will get you killed. Violet's like, what are you talking? What does Zayden have to do with this? And we find out that Sigail and Taryn are a mated pair of dragons. Scandalous. Dane is accusing Zayden of manipulating the threshing. And Zayden's like, please tell me what you think I did, Mr. Sir Lovely Dane. Please tell me. Now, Violet realizes she's like, Zayden's not going to kill me. Zayden can't kill me. Right? Our dragons are bonded. They're mated. He can't do anything to me. So, yep, we find out that basically Zayden and... Uh, Violet are now tied together because their dragons are mated. And Mm -hmm. so all four of their lives are kind of in limbo with each other. So they need to protect each other and that bond is there and strong. Um, But Zayden also warns Violet that she will be hunted, that there has been unbonded riders that would do Mm -hmm. anything to bond with Terran. 
Now that they've seen that Taryn is willing to bond, these unbonded cadets are like, yep, he's going to bond with me. Like, let's get rid of Violet. She's an easy one to get rid of, and we will take her dragon. Okay. So part of the bonding between the dragon and the rider is the dragon gives them a relic, something that reflects the bond between the dragon and the rider. And it helps them once they start channeling their powers to kind of build that bond with the magic that the dragons have. Taryn and Andarna both um, basically imprint or mark uh, Violet. And Taryn says that Violet will like hers, that it's very unique. Dane comes over and is, you know, can't believe that Violet gets to keep both dragons. You know, immediately ask her where's where's her relic and um, ask to like unlace the back of her vest so he can see it. Taryn does not like Dane. Like, I feel like he's just like over it. He's like, just tell the boy to move, get out of the way. And so right. Taryn is able to also show Violet like what he sees. And so he is able to show her her relic on her back. And she just is in awe and says, it's beautiful. And Adarna replies, like, we know. Like, I just picture her as, like, just, you know, happiest little ball of sunshine, you know? Yep. And so after this, you know, Dane continues to talk to her. And um, he touches his, her face and um, kind of strokes her cheek a little bit, his eyes searching for something. And now reading this back to knowing, like, mm -hmm. knowing everything and what his power is. He's definitely trying to read through her memories when like, his eyes are searching. Definitely, right? Yeah. And so he doesn't say anything else, but then he just kisses her. And so she's, you know, Violet's like, finally, after all these years, Dane is kissing her. Like, she's, you know, thrilled, but then it's gone in a heartbeat. That there's no heat, no energy, no lust at all. And... She's just kind of disappoint disappointed and like Dane pulls away and he's smiling, but she realizes she doesn't want it anymore. She doesn't want Dane. So after threshing, um, once they're bonded, the cadets finally get to move out of like their giant sleepover basically and they get their own room. So Violet is super excited to be in her own room after sleeping in the crowded barracks for the last two months. And she's off breakfast duty now because more or less desirable duties are being handed off to the unbonded. So the bonded can really focus on their abilities now. And so this just, again, adds that fuel to the fire from the unbonded that already, you know, don't like Violet because one, they think she's weak and she bonded with the strongest dragon. And now she doesn't have to do breakfast duty anymore. So just more reason why the unbonded are just not not a fan of her. And Violet, like, while the unbonded are kind of basically trying to hunt Violet or other people that they can steal the dragons from, now I th people are starting to see, like, Violet is a force to be reckoned with because yep. of her dragon. So people are getting up off their tables at the lunchroom and just kind of treating her like, oh, sorry, Violet. Yeah, you want this table? You want the seat? It's yours. Um, you know, just kind of 
don't know if it's really respect, but also like fear from Taryn that, okay, Violet is somebody we need to look out for now. Um, and even like the Mark ones, the kids of the rebellion are coming over and talking to Violet. And it just, we see this change in kind of dynamic with who's kind of surrounding Violet. There are two people that get like kind of assigned to Violet because she is now bonded to like she's with Zayden basically well short mention to Dane basically is like oh we shouldn't have kissed and Violet's like oh right like because it's not there and he goes no 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 like because it's breaking the rules and we shouldn't do that and Violet's like ew get away from me uh yeah that's a fun little aside but like after she bonds with her dragon we're moving forward but Imogen, on behalf of Zayden, is basically helping her spar and, like, helping her lift weights because she keeps falling off of Taryn. Like, she keeps falling off the dragon and she needs to get stronger. And because Taryn is, like, some dragons would literally just let their riders fall because they're like, well, can't do it. Don't want to be embarrassed by you. But he, like, locks her into place and every time she falls, he'll, like, pick her up with his claws and, like, fling her back onto his back <laughs> so she's working with Imogen who hated Violet I think she was the one who suggested like during their culty little meeting like when do they get to kill her basically and so some of the writers are starting to get their signet powers too which is kind of exciting so once you're bonded to your dragon is when you can channel that magic and start you know doing lesser magic which almost every rider can do but then there's like a specific signet power that your dragon basically shares with you almost. Just different things about people can, you know, move air. Some people can wield metal. Just different things. There is a signet that comes through. This guy named Jeremiah comes out. And he's freaking out. Because he's screaming, make it stop. Because he's pointing to people. And he's saying things like, you think I've lost it? Like, why is he screaming? He's pointing to people. He can hear people's thoughts. Basically, he's just like having a full meltdown, holding his head, screaming in the middle of this area. And Zayden looks at Violet and is like, you better block your thoughts right now with something other than what you are thinking. Yeah, block any personal feelings, thoughts, anything right now. So he tells her to start reciting whatever scribe babble that she does. A professor pushes through the crowd. Someone screams that Jeremiah is intrinsic, and the professor grabs Jeremiah's head and just cracks his neck and kills him on the spot. The signet is called manifesting and that signet power is illegal. You cannot have that signet. And even though Dane can read thoughts, he has to physically have his hands on someone, which doesn't make him so much of like an immediate threat, but more of a potential weapon or asset. Yeah, and he reads Garrick's thought, who Garrick is the section leader of the fourth wing, basically like Zayden's right-hand man. And mm -hmm. Garrick's thoughts are like, damn it, damn it all to hell. He'll know about... And then Zayden's shadows kind of cuts Jeremiah off. Mm -hmm. So we assume that, like, Garrick was probably thinking of something he shouldn't have been. 
um, and almost revealed, you know, whatever they've been meeting about. So we talked about earlier how cadets can be killed pretty much at any time except when they're sleeping or by one of their leaders, squad mates, things like that. But Violet's having a dream and all of a sudden she hears like a familiar voice screaming at her in her head to wake up, to like get the fuck out of bed, to get up, get ready. And he says, wake before you die. She looks around and in her room, there are seven unbonded cadets trying to murder her. That's a lot of people. So many people. And I don't picture these rooms that big either. So I'm like, where either. are all these people in this room? Like, I'm looking at my room here. Yeah. And like, like, there's no way I would have survived if seven people. Yeah. Seven people plus Violet. She starts to try and fight them off. But obviously it's one against seven. She has Taryn in her ear screaming at her, like, get away from the wall. Don't let them trap you. Don't do this. Don't do that. And she's like, I'm going to jump out the window. And he's like, you're going to die. I can't get there fast enough. Don't do that. That's stupid. She tries to use a dagger. She's basically like at a loss. She knows that this is probably it. She's probably going to die. But she hears Taryn scream. He's almost there. And Violet's like, he... Who? Who the fuck is almost here? There was one person who fled the room when she woke up. There's a knife tip that comes to her skin at her neck. And all of a sudden, bedroom door flies open. She hears Andarna scream, mine, and go. Because all of a sudden, Violet realizes that she's the only one who is moving in the room. That was crazy to me. That was crazy. Yeah, and Darna's screaming like she can't hold them. But all of them are like frozen in time, quite literally. All of a sudden, Zayden comes into the doorway. She says, I love this. She said he comes into the, the doorway like some kind of dark avenging angel. She said like he's fully dressed, his face a mask of veritable rage as shadows curl from the walls on either side of him hanging in midair. And I just freaking love that description of him like mm -hmm. i don't know i can just like you could almost like palpably feel the energy through the book of zayden yeah so zayden just comes and like massacres everybody and I, yeah i love taryn's response though and he's just like you know it's about damn time like <laughs> you know like taryn's like i can't get there like come on zayden do your thing like <laughs> you know yep violet is just like thinking to herself, right? Like, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Like, she just keeps repeating that mantra in her head as she's just kind of like trying to digest everything that just happened. Zayden replies out loud, yes, you're alive. She immediately says, I didn't realize I, I said that out loud. That's when like she starts to feel nauseous, trembling. And, you know, that adrenaline is just kind of like going through her she is shaking as you know Zayden just kind of just sorting through her armoire like basically just trying to get her some new clothes to wear um because there's blood on hers and just trying to get her back into shape um, oh he calls her violence 
I just love it. See, I hated it. Did you? I cringed. I read Violet every time. Did you? I feel like it was like a little YA, like a little, I don't know. I still liked it though. Cause I felt like it was definitely, I could picture him saying that to her. Yeah. I thought it was cute. Like once in a while, but I was just like, yeah. Okay. Satan. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I've seen a lot of people like it though. Like there's this one fan account that makes like fan merch that I absolutely adore. Yeah. Um, and she has a cool shirt that says like violence and it has oranges on it. I love that. Oh, but as they're cleaning up, Taryn goes into Violet's head and tells her to trust Zayden. And she's finding it hard because he just mercilessly massacred six people in her bedroom. But Taryn says it has it has to be. You have to do it. And so after this too, you know, Violet and Zayden just kind of talk, go back and forth. And... There was some like little banter back and forth with them and they kind of joke about you know Zayden's definitely like nervous for her safety so Violet jokes like and if you think about suggesting you sleep with me for safety from now on and Zayden cuts her off just like nah I don't fuck first years like not even when I was a first year <laughs> and Violet's like um who said anything about fucking you know but like she thinks to herself like well fantasizing doesn't count <laughs> Then she talks about, like, unless you're worried about me killing you while we sleep. And Zayden's like, no, I have zero concern about that. Like, I'm not even sure you could kill a fly. You know, Violet admits, like, she's never killed anyone. And Zayden tells her, like, she's going to have to get over that. All we, all they are after graduation are weapons. And it's best if, you know, if they're honed before leaving the gates. Zayden's also trying to figure out, like, how they got past her locks. Because the door was locked at night. It's not like she was out in the barracks just wide open. Violet doesn't think that Zayden will believe her if she tells him who actually unlocked the door. Mm-hmm. This. This. This made me go, hmm. So after everything happened, they are going out to meet Taryn to see what the fuck just happened. Talk to him. Because they don't know what happened in that room. Like, how that pause happened before Zayden got there. Zayden is real ballsy with Taryn, like, squaring up to him, talking to him. But because their dragons are a mated pair, Taryn can also hear him. He's just like, I'm guessing the wing leader wants a word because Sigal is also there with Taryn. Zayden says, we need to know what happened in that room. And his dark gaze cuts through me like a knife for a millisecond before he glares back at Taryn. And Taryn says, do not dare to try and read me, human, or you'll regret it. And that is, that's something. I think that's about something. You think that theory? Yeah. I think it's quite possible. There are so many instances looking back where Violet's words are not in italics, but Satan knows what she said. Yeah. It's either that or there's this like 
the bond between their dragons and the, between them is stronger and more powerful than anyone kind of realizes. I think those are kind of the options. That or I think there's like could have been even another power that mm -hmm. allows him to like re like connect minds like telepathically. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, not, so necessarily, not necessarily like read but like communicate that way yes you know yes but I, there has to be something more because there are too many times where she says something not to anyone but just to herself because it's clear when they're communicating this is why like if you guys read this book on audio or listened to the book on audio rather i would definitely recommend picking up a copy of the book because there are very specific ways like when things are italicized that is like spoken out loud but in their head and mm -hmm. that makes a very 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 big difference in the communication between them through the last part of this book but i do think that zayden has more to him than what we can see with the shadows mm -hmm. i don't know exactly what it is i think that him being in um intrinsic could definitely be an option i'm not 100 percent sold but i am sold that he's not fully told the truth about what his capabilities are yeah it amazes me too like that somebody would only have one signet i get like a specialty but i feel mm -hmm. like you should be able to tap into more mm -hmm. especially if your dragon is powerful you should have more than one thing that you can do and my thought is, too, how many pairings do they have with mated dragons? I feel like them having the mated dragons will increase their potential for more, either like a stronger signet, an additional signet, or extra power that other people can't wield. So mm -hmm. I think that that's definitely potentially something, too. So Feather Tails shouldn't bond. They can't bond. But we find out Feather Tails shouldn't bond because they can accidentally gift their powers to humans. So dragons, like, they can't channel until they're really big, but they're born with something special. And Andarna, because she's a feather tail, this dragon is a baby. Like, this is a baby dragon. This is a... Someone allowed their child out of the house without watching, <laughs> and that is how a bond to pilot. And we've got that and has a gift where she can stop. And she gave that gift to Violet. So Andarna's going to be full grown in like another year or two. And, but then bonding too young means that they could burn out by using their power too soon. And Violet's like, oh God, like I don't want that to happen. But Andarna's like, no, no, no. That's why I picked you. Like, because I know you won't do it. They have to keep this a secret because um, Zayden says, if leadership new writers could take her gifts for themselves rather than depending on their own signets, and Violet finishes, she'd be hunted. And so the more we go through this book, the more we see how many things Violet has to keep to herself in order to protect not only herself, but Zayden and Darna, Taryn, their whole lot. Zayden's still thinking about the fact of, like, who unlocked the door? So, you know, Violet's like, at some point I'm going to have to trust him. 
like now we are you know in this we know each other's secrets what our dragons can do all of this stuff Zayden's like tell me who and Violet doesn't even know if she can believe it or not who actually unlocked the door uh, the next chapter starts with a little snippet at the top and it says accusing a wing leader of wrongdoing is the most dangerous of all accusations if you're right then we failed as a quadrant to select the best wing leaders if you're wrong you're dead um, they're all meeting together and kind of reading over the the deaths from the prior day Zayden reveals that there's going to be a squad role change um, in Dane's squad. Vaughn and Liam are going to be switching. So Liam is now going to be in Dane's squad. And Vaughn is now going to where Liam was before in tail section. Basically, Liam's coming to be Violet's bodyguard per Zayden. Like, Liam is statistically the strongest first year. Um, definitely capable. He is a rebellion child. So definitely somebody Zayden trusts and trust to watch over Violet from now on, basically. And Violet's just almost mortified. Like, I do not need a bodyguard. Zayden's like, yep, nope, you do. Like, we learned that last night. Zayden can, can't be everywhere with Violet, but Liam sure can. And so, you know, Zayden is like, I'm not, I haven't even begun overstepping. You want to see me overstepping? Just wait for it. Any threat against Violet is a threat against Zayden now that their lives are so intertwined with their dragons that Zayden will do almost anything to keep Violet alive because of that. We find out who got into Violet's room. There's a wing leader named Amber. And Dane immediately doesn't believe Violet. Immediately he's like, you're mistaken. Like, she would never do that. A wing leader would never do that. Zayden is saying this out loud because the Breaching Codex is like, yeah, you like, it's not, yeah, it's not something to mess around with. Her and Dane immediately start arguing because Dane's like, he's lying to you. Amber comes out and she's like, I have committed no such crime. We see Dane lift his hands up and go to Violet's face. And she's like shocked that he's like willingly and actually doing this. He's demanding that Violet allows her to let him touch her and read her memories, which I thought was so fucking out of pocket for Dane. Yeah. And so they step up, they have a quorum as the wing leaders. And dragons come up along the mountain and dane is like you can stop this violet you can stop this you know i don't know what you saw last night but this it wasn't amber and i'm just like dane shut the fuck up you don't know what you're talking like, about like sit your ass down you're embarrassing everybody and does he not see like the bruises that are on violet and the other stuff that and so one second he's so concerned for her safety and well-being and then the next he's like oh violet you're so wrong. You're so wrong. No, shut up. Violet asks Taryn to share the memory of what happened the night before because he can see her thoughts and he can see her, her memories. And the difference between like Taryn and Dane, like Dane would be able to like see everything. So yes. be able to see the stop time, everything, all of those details. Exactly. Well, Taryn can kind of 
splice them up a little bit more. Yep. There's like a silence that comes over and everyone, like Violet knows that they know. And Dane pales and Violet is like, believe me now. And the wing leaders found Amber guilty. And she's screaming like, it's no crime to rid the quadrant of its weakest rider. I did it to protect the wings. And everyone moves backwards. Amber's dragon is obviously mourning and hurting. And Taryn said, I let someone live once and he almost killed you. Justice is not always merciful. And Taryn incinerates Amber. Goodbye. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> Liam is now Violet's bodyguard and he goes everywhere with her. So she's on our breakfast duty anymore, but she still has like library runs that she goes on. So she's responsible for going to the scribe quadrant to retrieve books and return them um, for different professors. So one day when she is in the scribe quadrant, she's asked to take a daily report for battle brief to Professor Markham. Liam and Violet end up seeing what's on this battle brief and are kind of shocked that, you know, what is going on in the outside world. So they're expecting to cover that in battle brief since that was the daily, the daily report that was supposed to be going over that day. But when they're in battle brief, it is not mentioned. And it is something else that they talk about. And Violet's kind of retracing her memory like, I don't, there was nothing on that data report that's like classified or did it and we just missed it. Her and Liam are kind of confused as to why they're not talking about that daily report that they brought from the scribe quadrant. Violet is in her room brushing her hair and she like feels like a twing of like power rushing through her relic. Mm -hmm. And she immediately thinks like back to when Andarna um, like channeled her gift through her to stop time and like what that power felt like. But she said it just felt different. And she, like, tries to ask Taryn or Indarna something, but she's just met with, like, silence. She's, like, overcome with, like, this lust, basically. But she says she's, like, not, doesn't feel like herself. And that the craving, it's, like, Taryn's kind of, like, channeling through her, like, his emotions and his, his feelings. Like, she just is trying to look out for Zayden, like, this feeling that she's feeling through her is like pushing her to try to locate Zayden and she runs into Liam in the hallway um, <laughs> right outside her door and everything and <laughs> Liam's like are you are you okay like the, you don't seem like yourself right <laughs> now yeah she like panic runs away because she's like I this is not what I want Liam is not what I want I'm gonna keep things moving and she runs into Zayden. She sees Zayden, and he's smoking. Um, I would imagine the Navarian equivalent to weed. Yeah. Basically, he's like, yeah, um, I know we're not allowed to smoke this, but the person who made up that rule was not bonded to Segale and Taryn. Um, so it helps with distancing yourself. Violet's like, I feel like I'm on fucking fire. 
And Zayn's like, yeah, well, that happens. This is this is what happens when you're with two mated dragons. And Violet's like, can they be done? Can they finish whatever they're doing? Because I can't <laughs> do this anymore. One of my favorite lines, though, when they're kind of going back and forth outside, mm-hmm. is Violet just asks him, asks Zayden, have you always been this tall? <laughs> and Zayden's reply is, no, I was a child at one point. <laughs> like, what a smart I ass. know. I do love it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought this was interesting, too. Like, basically, she's like, oh, I'm horrified to see Liam again. And... He's like, Liam, like, also, where is your bodyguard? And she's like, I'm my own bodyguard. And he's in bed. And Zane goes, your bed? His voice is like a crack of lightning. Mm-hmm. Zane tells Violet if she wants to survive or get through this, she has to learn how to shield. Yes. Um, so he kind of walks her through a little bit of how to kind of envision that power, envision a door, and locking it. And that um, she might still be able to see through it, but she's able to kind of shield some of Taryn's power, thoughts, feelings out. Otherwise, she's not going to be able to survive at all. And she puts herself, like, in the archives where she was supposed to be in the scribe quadrant, but that's where she felt, like, the safest was in the archives. So she ends up being able to ground herself and shield herself very quickly, and Zayden's, like, astonished by her. And this whole sequence here, I was like... Right. But... Basically, he's like, damn it, touching you is a bad idea. And she's like, the worst. And he's like, kissing you would be a cataclysmic mistake. And she's like, calamitous. Like, I'm just like, I picture that, like, back and forth so well in my head. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we'll both regret it. And she said, naturally. And then he says, fuck it. And they finally kiss. Finally. Finally. And it is chaotic, this sequence. Basically, she's like, I need him closer, everywhere, all the time, all of this. And what we don't realize as you're reading it the first time, but you realize looking back, is that there's lightning that strikes. So they're all getting hot and heavy. And Violet, like, thinks to herself, like, he has the power to break me. And... She just, like, surrenders completely to him. Then a flash of light burns behind her closed eyes, followed by thunder. It just, she says it just summarized, like, how she feels. Just, like, wild and out of control. Yep. But then Zayden, like, breaks the kiss and is just, like, gasps. Almost looks like he's panicking, like, shuts his eyes and just, like, steps away abruptly and just tells her, like, she has to go. That he, he just can't and he... Refuses to act on desire that isn't hers. And, you know, because he makes her think that she's acting because Taryn is starting to, like, Taryn's lust went through her. And it's not, like, her true feelings towards Zayden. Yeah. Okay, so one thing that I feel like we need to talk about is Liam. Yes. So Liam's known signet is Farsight, Mm -hmm. right? But he also... Like carves these little dragons. Yes. For everybody. Mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of cool. And I'm like, how can, like, to be that detailed, I know people can do it, but I'm like, hmm. Is there another, yeah, like you a know, little, is there magic that goes with it too? Totally. And 
like Ree makes a comment to right basically saying that you know Liam must owe like Zayden his life mm-hmm. like there's something there's a reason why Liam is dedicated to Zayden and you know even if Zayden says hey spend 24 7 with Violet to protect her like there's got to be some some other reason behind that yeah what's interesting too though is that like everyone's signets are starting to come in but Violet is like she's got nothing and they mentioned it earlier but basically like the death that you would have with anything else versus the death that you would have if you don't develop a signet is far greater than anything else Mm -hmm. Jack finally faces Violet on the sparring mat and this he still wants to kill her and I'm like can you let it go Right? Like, like, come on, bro. Let it go. But um, unfortunately, like, he literally will kill her on the mat. Like, that, yeah. that would happen. Um, except we know it's Violet. And Violet is smarter than that. So she's kind of getting her ass handed to her. And then in a last-ditch effort, she <laughs> literally gives him an allergic reaction to oranges. <laughs> to oranges. Which, amazing. Um and yeah they both end up in the uh needed to be in the healer's ward for for a period of time mm-hmm. mm. zayden basically like takes over everything in regards to violet because he is like well i can't be trusted to have anyone else help you so it's got to be just me and he tells her, like, this was a colossal mistake for us to get physical. We have to be together for the rest of our lives. It's not going to happen. But I will be with you every waking hour of every waking day. Right? And so Zayden gets her on a mat for sparring. And so they came in. She has her own daggers. But when you, like, when someone yields to you, you also earn one of their daggers like you can take one from them or if you also like steal it from like during sparring too yes so as long as it's like it has to be stolen or earned basically in the form of sparring and so zayden has a dagger like made for her and it has like mythical ruins swirls everywhere she's like you made this for me. <laughs> like, Zayden, you shouldn't have. He's like, well, it's yours, but you have to earn it from me. Like, you have to get it from me, basically. Oh, he's like, you disarm me. Disarm me. Take it. Let's go. And he does make it, like, you know, a little easier. A little easier on her. Yeah. That doesn't mean that he doesn't, like, fling her down to the mat, though. And so throughout the next couple of days, more of the signets um, are forming through the first years. Um, we find out there's been a few more losses. Um, somebody's signet manifested and incinerated them immediately, blew up in flames. Mm-hmm. Another one manifested and froze them and the person next to them to death. So these signets are very unpredictable. Really, like, nobody's safe from that either. Zayden tells... Violet that she's going to skip her next class and he's going to do
do some extra training with her. And so they're heading up to the flight field to go get their dragons. And they run into none other than some very important figures. Commander Panchek and Colonel Ados. Colonel Ados says hi to Violet and um, says that she's looking well and that she must be getting out of airtime. And she replies and just says, you know, thank you. And Dane's doing well too. He's my squad leader. And just says that Mira asked about her a while ago. You know, Violet shouldn't worry because next year she'll get her letter privileges. And then she can keep in touch more often because, you know, she knows that she misses her. Then General Sorengale steps out of the stairwell. And Zayden immediately stiffens and Violet just replies, Mom, you know, she tries to be confident, but she just says she is her father's daughter and just can't really stand, you know, the assessing gaze that her mother has on her. And of course, her, her mother's comment is, I hear you're having trouble wielding. Kind of takes a step back and says that she has the best shield in her, her year. And she just says that for the first time, she's glad that she has a manifest in a signet because it's something that her mom can't brag about. So can't really like, she can't give her mom that satisfaction. And then we have like the squad games, which is something that, you know, they, it's, you know, it's like more of their craziest stuff that they always have these people do every, every time. So they're on the mat, Liam wins for their squad for like the sparring, but they're also told there's a final unknown task that they have to do. They're on their own. They have no squad leaders, but their mission is simple. They have to find and acquire by any means necessary the one thing that would be most advantageous to their enemies, regardless guarding the war effort. So unbiased judges, winning squad would get 60 points and their squad would be put into first if they won this. Anything within the walls of the Skyeth War College it was fair game. Yep. They go through, do some crazy shit. They break into, thanks to Violet, her mom's office, fight off some guards. They take her inside and they steal a the most up-to-date map that they have of the ongoing war. And when they're in here too, there's like a letter that Violet reads that she doesn't really share with anyone else as they're stealing the map, but it kind of gives her an idea that they might not be fully aware of things that are going on, even though in Battle Brief, they are supposed to know all of the most up-to-date things so they can be prepared at any given moment. So we've skipped a lot of this book and we still have a lot of this book to go. So there are so many details, plot points, people, places, things, or otherwise that we have left out. This is just us touching on things that we like felt were important key points of the book. So we're definitely skipping over a lot. So we highly, highly recommend that you pick it up, read it yourself if you want like a full scope because we've already been talking for a long time and we still got a ways to go. So basically, there's a part that we're going to skip over like the context of it, but Violet learns that Zayden can talk in her head like Taryn does. And so now they start to communicate back and forth inside their brains, mm -hmm. which I was like, oh, here we go. Here we go. 
we do find out what Violet Signet is. And Violet Signet it's wields lightning. And we find out because in um one of these war games, right? War games, like the squad games, Jack is attacking Liam. Mm-hmm. And Liam has become, you know, one of Violet's best friends. Like, yes, he is her bodyguard, but definitely she feels um, attached to Liam. So Liam and his dragon are fighting Jack and his dragon, and um, it's just not looking good. And so... um Violet tries to figure out how her and Taryn can go over and help Liam. And so she reaches out to Andarna to see if um, they can help. And so they pause time for a second, go help Liam. Yep. And Violet's furious. Like once time and freezes, goes back to normal. Violet is furious at Jack, right? Jack for so long has been going after her, saying that he's going to kill her. And here he is, you know, nearly killing Liam. And this is when her power manifests. And a bolt of lightning comes down and strikes the tower that Jack is on. Jack falls to his death. Bye. Goodbye, Jack. And don't you come back no Finally. Oh, my God. He deserved that such a long time ago. Right? Yeah, Violet, this was her first kill, though. So she has, like, a violent reaction to killing someone even though it was jack this is when i got i did i will say i got frustrated with violet yeah i was like come on girl like you've been at this college for so long like zayn already told you to toughen up and it's jack it's not some innocent person like i'm not condoning killing but in this situation i'm like violet i understand like the throwing up and everything but she i feel like takes it a little too far Mm -hmm. like the way she is just like upset with herself i'm like you are literally going to war lady it's so frustrating because dane and zayden really get into it and zayden's like stop coddling her like this isn't fucking helpful and at the end of the day violet is growing closer and closer to zayden because of not only his belief in her but also this like very very deep connection that she feels to him through the dragons and otherwise so oh because also too because violet was having such a hard time like holding on to taryn when he was flying zayden Mm -hmm. had a special saddle made for her where like it'll make sure that she stays clipped in but can be like free kind of with her hands and 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 darna can clip in to Terrence when her little baby wings get tired and she can't fly anymore. I know. I thought that was <laughs> so cute. Yeah. I thought it was precious. Um, But now that we know that Violet's a lightning wielder, they're not going to let her sit on that. They're going to try and use her because that is one of the most powerful signets. And it's rare yep. to have. Um, but it makes sense, though, because her mom can wield storms. So it would make sense that lightning wasn't necessarily far off from that. Yeah, so it makes me think, too, like, what can Lilith do with storms? Like, can she wield lightning? Yeah, Tarot? or is it like, just what does the storm entail? The general 
storm. Yeah. Then it's time. Chapter 30. I feel like it should be like chapter 50. For how many pages I we've gone through. I swear to God. I didn't realize how long these damn chapters are. <laughs> I know. Oh, so Zayden like eggs her on as they're talking. And she's still like upset from killing Jack. And, you know, it's just the everything else going on. There's a lot happening. And she thought that her signet might be something like mending and she, that she wouldn't be used as a weapon and all of these things. So Zayden kind of like eggs her on a little bit. And then she decides to kiss him. He was like, show me what you got. Yep. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and then they kiss. <laughs> right? He's like, you know, if you want to yell, yell at me. You want to hit me? Then hit me. And in her mind, she's like, I want to kiss you, so I'm going to kiss yep. you. And the next chapter starts with uh, Article 5, Section 7 of the Writer's Codex saying, Though not forbidden, her debts are strongly encouraged not to develop strong romantic attachments while studying in the quadrant for the efficiency of the unit. Yeah, that didn't that didn't stop them, um, considering this is a, like, 10-page ten, ten chapter of them finally sleeping together. Yeah. Finally. And it is so chaotic. So chaotic. But that leads... Okay. I know. I'm like, oh, finally. Spicy. Right. So they will say... So I've read a lot of fantasy books, right? Yes. And I will say what I like about, like, this world is that it's not like a 500-year-old fey male and, like, a 19-year-old. Like, they're only yes. three years apart. Like, this age difference is very, very... <laughs> like, realistic. Very normal. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, there's other things we got to get over, but, um, but yes, their age difference. I was like, all right, this is appropriate. This like, is this is fine. Yeah. But it is. It's spicy. And I just finished reading this like halfway decent hockey romance. So like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm here for this. Um, but they destroy everything. They literally destroy everything. Like. Her signet of lightning, she sets curtains on fire. Like, her armoire splits apart, splinters. Right, there's fire out in the trees. Like, she, like, Let's they see, just went crazy. The desk break, the chairs break, everything breaks. Um, And I know that this, like, sequence was about the spice, but it really genuinely makes me think that there has to be more to their connection with how intense things are yes. in terms of like their magical powers or their signets or something like that. I think it kind of goes back to, so this kind of tiptoes into a theory a little bit, but when Zayden was like, where is it? I, I don't know where it is. I forgot to mark it, but he's like, I've been yours a lot longer than you realize or something like that. I feel like something wackadoodle has happened in the past, in the present or something with these two. Yeah. And maybe Violet's memories were erased or something happened. Yeah, or Violet's just like, yeah, she's not a good narrator. You know, she's unreliable, something. She kind of is, though. Like, and I think sometimes I would get frustrated with her, but then I had to remind myself that this is like a chronically ill 20-year-old who's literally being threatened with death every day of her life. Yeah. I need to take my own advice and let a book be a book because I was getting annoyed with her. <laughs> 
I know. And there were things that I was like, Violet, shut up. What are you? Shut up. But I was like, if I Come wrote on. a book with like my stream of consciousness, people would probably say the same thing and be like, Anna, get your shit together. What are you thinking? <laughs> Actually me. All the time. <laughs> so while Zayden and Violet are talking, that brings up a question because Zayden kind of mentioned that she he thought that she could wield lightning like a while back like that was her signet so she asked him again like when did like why did you guess i could wield lightning and he says the first time you kissed me mm -hmm. so if we remember like going back in that book in the book when they do kiss for the first time when she's like, like lust filled from taryn and his mate and the thing that like kind of broke up their kiss at that time was like snow thunder mm -hmm. so we kind of zayden thought then that she could probably wield lightning which is yep. a cool power so when violet wakes up the next day um zayden is gone but she does wake up to some violets on her oh. nightstand which is just so cute like you know this like hard-ass guy mm -hmm. right like waking up early before she wakes and he up. even said like i'm not sweet please don't mistake any part of me for soft or kind that will only get you hurt and i'm like and then you leave her flowers zayden i'm gonna Come on. Right? Come on. <laughs> Choose the side. Choose a side. And so she wakes up and she hears a knock on her door and she's assumes that it's, you know, Zayden or somebody else um, coming to be her bodyguard because Liam is still recovering from their squad game fiasco. Mm. And it's Professor Carr ready to help her work on her signets. So help her wield. And um, so they go out to the flight field and go somewhere far away so she's not really at risk of like hurting anybody and i just think it's kind of funny because she doesn't know really how she used her power like it's all been like emotional response right mm -hmm. when her and zayden are together or when she was trying to you know stop jack from doing whatever bullshit he was up to after hurting yep. liam so she doesn't really know like how to wield this lightning but um taryn has a good idea for to help <laughs> help her so he jokes i think taryn's hilarious taryn is the freaking best like i don't <laughs> i know some people say that like they hate the language and that like these are mythical dragons and they're talking like present day people but honestly i just took it i thought he was just funny all around i think he's fucking hilarious yeah. like i mean they're mythical creatures they can talk however they want yeah like they don't have to talk in like ye old english this is like yeah a, a made-up world <laughs> And to like, if they're as powerful and as cool dragons as they're like written to be, mm -hmm. they're gonna match the language. I feel like of their rider. I agree. Because he does start out really, like, formal, and he becomes more informal mm -hmm. as they ride. So, I don't know, but he's. I laughed so much at the shit that he said. Yeah, and like Brit said, Violet is very nervous about her powers like she doesn't really want them and so when she's practicing with professor carr here she almost thinks that he took her out to the middle of nowhere to kill her just like the guy that um could read everybody's mind and the professor's like no you can trust me i did not bring you out here to kill you i brought you out here so we could safely practice and you know violet's thinking about the student he did kill and her and taryn kind of have a back and forth because it's like, well, Dane's still alive, like, and Dane can basically mm -hmm. breathe thoughts and 
Taryn's like, well, his is only controlled by touch. Like, he has to be touching. So it's easier for them to control him. So that's why he's still alive. So yep. you could definitely kind of see, like, okay, they know Dane's power and they're definitely using it. And that's why he's probably at such, like, a high level as a second year because of this power and how they can kind of mold him and control him. And I thought it was interesting now, like, these are some things that I read and I understood, but I don't think I like fully grasped until going back to see them is when Professor Carr is talking to her and he is basically saying like the fact like I have no reason to kill you because you are so powerful and you are such an asset. But not only that, but because you and Ryerson are the most coveted pair of writers that this kingdom has seen in a long time. But not only that, he says keep your loyalties clear because they could be they have exceptional lethal power and together they would be a formidable enemy who command could simply not afford to let exist like he's like do you know what i'm saying and yeah it's just very clear that he's like everyone is worried about them being together everyone mm -hmm. yeah especially now that her like powers have manifested mm -hmm. like shadows and lightning unstoppable literally unstoppable think about that in a battle well i mean they use this basically yeah. right like the shadows to block it and then all of a sudden the lightning yep. no that's a good point about professor Carr. because mm -hmm. yeah i mean they have to choose right like, yeah it's either they could be a great thing for navarre mm -hmm. or a really good thing for the rebellion so yep. you know dangerous either way absolutely i love like this whole sequence is amazing because Violet's struggling to like aim at things and like she has like Hannah said these like emotional reactions and that's how her power is wielded and so you know she's just like yeah I've I've wielded lightning a few times but like you know and Professor Carr's like were those emotional reactions and Taryn literally like laughs at her in his dragon way right it was so funny because he's like, okay, you have to ground your power. And Taryn literally goes, should I get the wing leader? <laughs> <laughs> right. Because all four of them, right? Yeah. Like, um, can all share like thoughts and memories and everything. So there's no secrets between them. No, I thought it was so funny. But Zayden then comes into her head and is like, are you having problems? Like, what? why are you so far away? Because he can literally feel her proximity to how strong she is in his mind and she was like i'm training and then he says because you know oh you're getting stronger and wielding you'll be able to do it too but he tells her there's nowhere in existence you can go that i wouldn't find you violent mm. and you know she's like okay well i'd settle for just wielding some lightning right now so car's staring at me and it's gonna get awkward if i can't figure this out <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Zayden projects images of himself low-key fucking Violet from the night before into her mind. And it helps her wield some lightning. Yeah. So um, it worked. It worked. But she's like, I cannot believe you actually did that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Taryn continues to laugh, which incredible. Uh I'm just picturing this like massive dragon yeah. just like I'm I don't I'm know curious. like laughing like just like yeah just like 
I like snort laughing with his steam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the steam out of his yeah. nose just. <laughs> I am curious for like the TV show how massive they are going to make these like CGI dragons because I imagine yeah, Taryn I to be like fucking huge. Huge. Well, I hope they make them actual dragons because, you know, there's a lot of like talk like, you know, wyverns, dragons, like all of that difference and like griffins, right? Yeah. So I just hope that they they need to stay true because you never know what kind of animals are going to pop up in the series. So so in the next chapter, after Violet has her little one-on-one se- session with the professor, um, Zayden does come to her room. And he walks in and realizes how much damage they actually did to her room. Like how much destruction and everything that they're going to have to repair. And, and, you know, there's still some, like, confusion in, like, their feelings between them. Like, what's real, what's not real. Like, Zayden doesn't want her to fall for him, but yet he leaves her flowers when she wakes up. Violet wants Zayden to tell her something real. She, like, tries to reassure him, you know, like, I would never tell anyone anything you tell me. I hope you know that. So Zayden does tell her where he was going one night. In the courtyard that like he didn't tell her so Zayden does reveal reveal that he went to Athlebine and like we said earlier this is how we read it and pronounced it but he does say that Violet can't know why or ask anything else but he did reveal where they were Violet starts to like put stuff back and moves a book back she sees that this book is kind of like splitting at the binding and something's kind of peeking out and so they take a look and Violet says like her gravity shifts as she recognizes her father's handwriting and it's dated just a few months before his death. So I'm going to read the letter because I feel like it is very important and kind of almost ties back to the prologue from Jesenia about, you know, the scribe, like she's retelling the story and just like the scribes know everything. So her dad's letter says, My Violet, by the time you find this, you'll most likely be in the scribe quadrant. Remember that folklore is passed from one generation to the next to teach us about our past. If we lose it, we lose the links to our past. It only takes one desperate generation to change history, even erase it. I know you'll make the right choice when the time comes. You have always been the best of both your mother and me. Love, Dad. So it's like, what... I just what generation erased what yeah. and what generation's gonna change it. You yeah. know, what what did her dad do? It know? was super cryptic. And even Zayden says he's like, that's cryptic. And Violet's like, well, he did get a little more cryptic after Brennan died. I don't I don't know. It just especially knowing everything that takes place in the later half of the book, I just feel like it's going to be revealed that her dad had so much more knowledge or power than we ever realized. And I think mm-hmm. her mom a thousand percent realized it. Then would they have a conversation about how they agreed that they like should not fall for each other and it would be dangerous, not only because they are a like bonded pair through writing basically, but because he is her commander and like that is not a great look. But Zayden's like, well, I, instead of cleaning up this mess, have a better idea for how we can spend our night. And Violet's like, listen, like, I don't think that I can separate sex and emotion from you right now. Like, not the way that these this is going. And 
She kind of freaks out because she didn't mean to put it out there, but now that it's out there, Zayden's like, well, you don't really know me, so you can't fall for me. And Violet's like, I know enough. She did call him a, quote, emotional chicken shit. <laughs> um, said to just admit that he was going to fall for her too. And, you know, especially if they kept it, they keep it up. And Violet kind of recalls, like, why would Zayden, like, I know they're they're together and he needs her to be stronger because they're a pair, right? But he went out of his way to have, like, a specific dagger made for her, a specific saddle made that, like, Andarna can clip into. The flowers, like, these are not things that you do for someone that you're just trying to make stronger. Like, if you are, like, you suggest them to that person and then it's their choice to do it. Like, you don't go out yeah. of your way to do it for them. Exactly. Um, and then they kind of have, like, a pissing contest about who can, like, turn each other on the most without actually doing anything. <laughs> Violet tells him straight up, she's like, you want me and I know that it scares you even if I want you just as badly. Like, throws it out there and... She basically more or less says, here's the thing. You cannot tell me what I can and cannot like and what I can and cannot feel, just as I cannot tell you the same. But you cannot stop me from having these feelings for you. And I'm telling you right now that if you just let yourself feel that you would realize that you had the same feelings for me. He was just like, all right, this is for the best. You know, I'm just, we're going to forget last night ever happened. Everything will be fine. Oh, he said, besides with all that pretending, I'm sure we'll eventually forget last night ever happened. And the last thing that Violet said to him, or one of the last things that Violet said to him was, I never figured you for a liar, Zayden. So we are, they're at 10 days before graduation. And so that's when they're going to find out because Zayden's graduating. Oh, mm -hmm. he's going to be sent from Biscayeth because that if there's anything like not just the romantic part but their dragons are mated and their dragons cannot spend that much time apart so there is like a logistic low-key nightmare to try and figure out how they're going to manage the next two years while Violet's still at the sky is. about a month later it's announced that the king is going to be celebrating reunification day at the sky um so reunification day at is an important day in Navarre. So to have um, that being celebrated at the college is a pretty big deal. So they're all dressed up in their nice dress outfits. And Liam does escort Violet to this, I guess, party, the celebration. Even though basically the kids of the rebellion it's really the day that they don't like because it's the anniversary of, you know, Brennan's death, the rebellion kind of falling apart. And, mm -hmm. you know, for Liam to go and be that bigger person is Violet's very kind of proud of him and just makes, you know, us like Liam even more. Yep. And Violet is like searching for Zayden. Like he's not answering her like mind questions or anything. Like she doesn't know where he is at mm -hmm. all. And just keeps, like, searching the room for him. Violet tries to slip away because she's like, you know, let's get out of here to Liam. Like, we gotta go. So they slip out back into, like, the writer's quadrant. And 
she senses like Indarna coming through and then finally she senses Taryn again which leads her to Segale and then that leads her to Zayden because this is like a 17 step process that they have to go through every time the one thing I thought was interesting though she can't so she can hear Indarna but Indarna is not technically connected to Taryn so Zayden can't hear anything that Indarna says so that's the one like bonded relationship that she has that is just for her she kicks literally kicks him <laughs> oh and she's like Liam I adore you but it's time to go and he's like well that's nice but like she pushes him away and he's like I cannot just leave you out here because where she's going to find Zayden is on the fucking parapet in the middle of the night in a dress like right. you know she hasn't crossed it since the first day she came in to the rider's quadrant and she told him like you know no offense liam i love you but like i could definitely fry this entire place with a lightning bolt if needed so i think we're good and yep he uh he takes a step back and she approaches garrick and Bodhi warn violet against seeing zayden tonight like self-preservation is a thing like we're not with him for a reason tonight you don't want to go out there and she goes well i'm his so she can't figure out the definition of his but and she steps out onto the parapet for the first time since conscription day as she's walking across the parapet she's like Everything hurts. Like, her heart hurts because everyone in the ravine is celebrating his father's death, Zayden's father's death. And Zayden had no one. So she's like, you know what? I need, I need to go to be with him. And as she's crossing there, she feels like there's, like, this ache in her chest and there's power coming through. And this is where she admits, as the narrator, that she is in love with Zayden. Which I think we all knew at this point. But, like, it is the official confirmation mm -hmm. and so as she is walking to she's like yeah this probably wasn't the best idea you know she's in a dress and she's like you know Taryn's not here to catch her if she falls and she's like yep he's gonna be so pissed when he hears I did this and then Taryn's in his mind in her mind like yep already I already am mm -hmm. Taryn's like yep I am not happy and then that's when Zayden realizes that she's there. Yep. He says, you're going to be the death of me more times than I care to admit. In the course of this book. Yeah. And like, there's a few things. So they have like a back and forth. And basically they're like, Zayden's like, what the fuck are you doing? And Violet's like, I could say the same thing. And he's like, you're going to get me killed. And she goes, I could say the same thing. <laughs> Just kind of being a smart ass about it. But Zayden does say like, I feel like I've read it at least like seven or eight times that he says you're going to be the death of me. And I don't mm -hmm. know if that's like a deep foreshadow or just the sense that like they're so connected that it's a possibility. But if Zayden dies and they're bonded, like their dragons are mated, what does that mean for Violet? You know? I know. That's where like I hope it's not like a deep foreshadow because... I just hope it's a figure of speech for him. Yeah. But one thing, too, that I'm hoping we learn more about in the books, and I feel like this is, like, a trend with fantasy books, too, is, like, the gods are mentioned, like, early mm -hmm. on. 
but they don't come into play till later. So, like, you know, Malik and all those, yep, gods of different, like, I haven't really looked into the different gods there, but I think they'll come into play. So, like, somehow, maybe Zayden will die, and then, because Malik, I think, is, like, the god of death, or I remember, like, their souls to Malik. Somehow, Malik will come in and, like, resurrect him or something. Yeah. Yeah. I do think resurrection is a possibility. It might be. And so Violet, since she's kind of decided that she's fallen for Zayden, is also fallen into the jealous side too. So there was one time in class, she just kept like kind of grilling Zayden like, who is the other person? Is it Emojin? Like, who is it? And she brings it up again. And Zayden's like, come on, think closer. Who else was on that map? Mm-hmm. Like, who was I sparring with? You know, when Violet thinks that Emojin was like staring at Zayden, and it clicks that like Emojin was looking at Garrick, and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like realizing that, like, you know, it's just girl feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And and Zayden just confirms like he only has eyes yeah. for her. Like, there's nobody else. Oh. He basically just is like, there is only you. Like, is that what you needed to hear? There is no one else. It is only you. And this is where they decide to stop fighting it and just lean, lean into it to be together. And Nathan reveals that he did see Dane kiss mm-hmm. her after threshing. And he said he almost lost his shit. So... And Zayden just confirms, like, I wanted you from the very first second I saw you, Violet. And if I was short with you today, well, it's just been a shit day. And so Violet kind of takes control of the situation. Is like, come on, let's go. Yep. And Zayden's like, no, I'm not in the mood to take care of anyone today. Like, I know that's a shitty thing to say because you're also mourning Brennan. So Violet takes him through the college and leads him to his room. (laughs) And, you know, they have another... You know, hot and steamy, hot and steamy session. This is not a fade to black, people. No. So enjoy or skip through. But before they do, they kind of go, they talk about their like scars and their mm-hmm. relics. There's a scar on his face that um, Sigil gave Zayden from threshing. And Violet says, you know, most dragons do scar their riders, but Taranin and Darna have never hurt her. Zayden's response is, or maybe they knew you already carried a scar. And she has a silver scar from Tynan's blade from the threshing day. Like, it's important to note, too, talking about scars, Zayden has 107 scars on his back to represent the 107 innocent children of the rebellion. So he made a deal to kind of overlook all of these kids to make sure that they stay loyal to Navarre, they don't cause trouble. Um, he took that responsibility as basically being the oldest child of the yep. rebellion. You know, all the kids of the rebellion have the relic, but he's the only one that carries all the scars of the 107 innocents. And so they're getting ready to go for another round of their little hot and steamy session. And there's like a pounding on his door. And Zayden's like, just get the fuck away. Like, Eat come that. on. Like, I've had a shit day. 
Like, Violet and I have finally confessed our feelings for each other. Like, leave me the fuck alone. And the voice on the other side is like, you know, I really wish I could. And it's Garrick and Zayden's just like, you know, somebody better be dead. Garrick's response is like, I think there's a lot of people dead, which is why they're calling the full quadrant formation. And Garrick's like, you know, bring Sorengill with you. Like, <laughs> we're under yep. attack. And the next chapter, too. Like the little mm-hmm. note at the top is the inability to control a powerful signet is just as dangerous to a rider and everyone in their vicinity as never manifesting mm-hmm. one. So it made me think I'm like, what did these guys do? Like, were they that careless when they were mm-hmm. like sleeping together that they like killed people at reunification? Like, I really thought that their like Violet's Lightning had just like murdered someone on accident. Like, I right? thought something like that was going to happen. I did not expect this. They get up, they head down to their formation in the quadrant, and they're thinking, like, okay, the wards have fallen, we've lost innocence, we're going to have to send the third years, maybe even the second years into battle. Like, something is going to happen. Zayden throws his jacket over her, and it's one of his flight jackets, so it has these patches on it that only Zayden would have. They run out. No one notices, like, that she's slipping out of the wing leader's room because everyone is in chaos and complete disarray. He says again, wanting you will be the death of me. So I just, I feel like it's too intentional. Either that or it's just, like, the laziest writing in the entire world. Like, I literally just saw it again. Like, wanting you will be the death of me three, like, five pages later or something. And I just feel like it's it has to be a foreshadow or it's just like i said the laziest writing we're calling it here it's a foreshadow yeah i think it's a foreshadow of some variety catch us on season five for <laughs> i swear right the reveal if we were right i know i feel like <laughs> they are getting into formation oh Rhiannon walks up to her grabs violet and she's like violet sorengale are you wearing ryerson's flight jacket <laughs> and liam like looks over and <laughs> Violet's like um why why would you why would you say that why would you think that that is what's happening yeah so Re is like oh my god I freaking knew it like I knew this was gonna happen I knew what's going on everyone is panicking but Zayden locks his eyes with Violet from across the way and then sends over to her that it's the fucking war games so it's not actually like a legitimate battle that is happening it's like the final war games of the year and it's happening tonight oh and one thing too so Rhiannon is such a good friend this girl is a good friend and Dane walks over to Violet and Rhiannon and she immediately covers the patches on Zayden's flight jacket so Dane can't see whose they are. <laughs> and so the war games start. And Colonel Ados is actually one of Dane's father is one of the people there kind of announcing everything. They're introducing the scenario and just about how, you know, the moment they've dreaded has arrived. And just that there's mass mass casualties among civilians and infantry are already being reported and deaths of multiple riders. And something interesting, too, is, you know, there's four wings, right? Like, but the only wing that gets sent to, like, a specific direction is fourth wing. Yep. 
So they go to the southeast and well they're sent to Athabine, right? Is that how we just yeah. to say it? Which <laughs> yeah. Which is the city that uh, or the outpost that uh, Zayden tells Violet that that's where he was going that mysterious night. And it's outside of the wards. Like, and so I don't think we even really discussed, like, the setup of this world at all. Um, but, like, I think and I hope because I don't think that there was enough setup of the world in this book. Like, some things didn't quite make sense on how they function to me. Yeah. So I think hopefully there's going to be more in the next, but basically the wards just protect the area and they keep the the good magic in and the bad shit out, like more or less. Mm-hmm. That's why I was confused. Like, why is this outside the wards? Like, to me, I feel like the wards should be over all of Navarre. Yeah, I hope there is more information about that. But fourth wing is being dispersed and Dane has selected their specific outpost. And they want to get up and moving. Their squad is still beyond the strongest squad that's left right now. So they are like, we're going to fucking win. Like, we will win this. They get up to their dragons. They have they have Andarna with them. <laughs> the, the saddle that Zayden made for Taryn. There's like a secondary one for Andarna. And I might have mentioned this, but I'll figure it out. And... <laughs> She clips into Terrence so when she can't keep up. She just is like flying underneath him. And I just think it's the cutest fucking thing. Oh, baby. Sweet child I with know. her little paws, like her dragon paws. So Dane calls out for the second squad. And it's a four hour first leg out of nowhere. Taryn is in her head saying, Don't worry, Silver One. Everything is as it should be. And Zayden then demands that Violet is coming with him. So Zayden takes Liam, Imogen, and Violet. And Dane is like, you're not fucking taking her. Like, Athabine is beyond the wards. Like, she will not go there. That's not happening. Zayden's immediately like, well, you're not fighting about Liam. And he's also a first year, about to go beyond the wards. <laughs> Dane was arguing, like, well, Liam's the best cadet. Like, all of these things. Zayden's like, you know, Dane, I don't owe you an explanation, but if you need one, like, our dragons can't be separated. Like, Taryn and Sigail can't go more than a few days, and Dane's like, oh yeah, is that why you had to show up on our last outing? <laughs> I love Zayden's response. He's like, do you want to ask her? Yeah. Like, yeah, we've never tested, but you want to ask my dragon <laughs> how long she wants to stay away, how long she can stay away yeah. from her mate? <laughs> and I just, so, you okay, know, side note. I picture uh, Sigail as the dragon from Shrek with like the Loki like winged eyeliner, Hard and eyes. she's just like, yes, she's just like, who me? Like, oh, you want to test me? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> They're fighting back and forth, and Dana's like, riders are known to die during the war games. She's safer with me, and Zayden is like the fuck she is like she is a hell of a lot safer outside <laughs> of the wards with me than she is here with you and this is the moment where violet just is like stop she like puts her hand on zayden's arm and is like zayden like if you want me to go with you i'll go it's that simple and dane just like it clicks for him and he's like no fucking way 
no way these two are together right now. But like, wasn't Dane been like Dane? I, how does he not know? Yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know if it's like recent. Like there was some way for him to like block out or Violet to block out certain parts, or like he was only looking for specific yeah. things. Or he's looking. Yeah, I think I feel like his his power. Like he'd have to be searching. Yes, for things. specifically. He's like you know people talk, but like I did not think that this was real. Like, he is going to get you killed. Do not go with him. Violet defends Zayden. She's like, I think you think he has ulterior motives, but I, like, he has every opportunity to hurt me and he never has. He was like, if he is what you choose, he sighs, then I guess it has to be enough for me, doesn't it? He says something, not like, good luck, not, I wish you the best, not get back safely. He just says, I'll miss you, Violet. By how much I hated Dane, that's the moment I was like, that fucker is up to something. Yeah. Like, your best friend's going away, like, good yep. luck. I'll see you later. Not, I'll miss mm -hmm. you. Like, that's cryptic. That's sketchy. That's yep. sus. And then they're off. And they're heading out to Athbine and they cross the wards and it is different like the magic Taryn explains like the magic is a little bit wilder out there like it's harder for the dragons to communicate um than it is within the wards and there's obviously more happening outside of the ward you know like we said every chapter kind of starts with a snippet from something and this next chapter starts with or starts with a snippet from Navarre an unedited History by Colonel Lewis Markham. The first known Griffin attack occurred in 1 AU or after unification, near what is now the trading post of Resin. At the edge of the dragon protected border, the post has always been vulnerable to attack and over the course of the past six centuries has changed hands no less than 11 times and is what has become a never-ending war to secure our borders from our power-hungry enemies. So to me, it just makes me think of like Navarre in this little like bubble. Yeah. And that these like zombies are just like attacking them basically. Like yes, 100%. Enemies. So they get past the wards and they... Where are they at? They're 20 minutes out of Athabine when they land before they fly in again. Okay. Yeah. So when they land... Zayden made me really nervous Yeah, because you know he like looks at Violet and just kind of pauses and pleads with her like you know if you have ever trusted me Violet I need you to do it now mm -hmm. and she's like our enemies are just a few feet away because feet away are these griffin riders in this field mm -hmm. so Violet's like what the fuck like what is going on right yep Zayden just tells her to like stay calm but I like that there's like this back and forth with the dragons so like Violet's freaking out because she's never seen like Griffin Riders yep. like it's one of those stories from her folklore book mm -hmm. that she just thought was like mythical right and um so she's like yelling at Taryn in her head like get here now to this field and just like Andarna's response is like ooh the griffins look tasty from here 
I'm like, what? I, I love girl. her. <laughs> She's so cute. And Violet's like, no, they're the same size as you. And the Griffin Rider, like, notices Violet, right? Is like a fucking Sorengale. And Violet just notices that none of her, like, people, none of her wing are reaching for a weapon. Yep. So she's like, what the heck? Zayden just grabs her. Uh, the Griffin Riders do retreat once uh, Taryn lands. Because yep. that's just how massive and intense he is. Liam then takes over and kind of pins Violet just with his strength and just apologizes. Like, I'm so sorry about this, Violet. And... She's just so confused. She's like, what the heck? Why is everybody apologizing? Like, just let me go. Violet, like, turns and sees Zayden, like, approach these Griffin Riders. And all he says is, you're fucking early. And her heart just drops. I, at that moment, I was immediately like, fuck. Did I make the wrong judgment call? Right? Like, was I wrong this whole time? Because, I mean, I could have been. Because obviously we were like, oh, she falls for the villain. She falls for the bad guy. But this whole time I was like, Zayden's not the bad guy. Like, he is not. Because if he was the bad guy, he would have he would have killed her immediately. Like, no doubt about, about it in my mind. Taryn basically is like, Violet, like, if anything happens, I will make them a snack. Like, you do not need to worry. And I believe him. I believe that fucker. <laughs> like, 100%. So... They start talking about, like, shitness, and Violet realizes that Zayden and the marked children and the marked ones from the Skyeth have been having shipments of weapons being distributed to Griffin Riders. And she is, like, torn in half, torn into a billion pieces about how fucking stupid she was for trusting him and... Like, she's having this, like, existential crisis. But Taryn, yeah. I, when Taryn said, like, everything is as it should be, Silver One. Like, he mentions, too, he's like, you know, the dragons pick the humans. Like, I know we bond together, but this is on us. And, like, you were chosen for a reason. And it goes back to Taryn on the flight field at Threshing saying i know exactly who and what you are violet sorengale and so she's like struggling internally with this whole thing and like watching her entire world shatter in front of her but as a reader i'm like okay i trust the big ass dragon with my life because 100 he saved her and he saved the baby feathertail from being murdered like mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I inherently trusted Taryn from the get-go as a dragon. Though, in this world, I don't know how trustworthy dragons actually are. But, like, my gut told me <laughs> that Taryn was to be trusted. And so, I'm yeah. internally, I think I might have taken a break here to, like, try and figure out what the fuck was happening. At the end, like, or as they're going through talking to the, the Griffin Riders. So... They ended up warning them. And Zayden was like warning them about what? So they lost a village in the vicinity to a horde of venom two days ago. They decimated everything. And 
Imogen confirms by saying, like, well, Venom never come this far west. Like, what, what's happening? And Violet's like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? And, right? So <laughs> Zayden, like, cuts them off and is like, you know that we can't know details about this. Otherwise, that fucks all of us. So cuts him off. And Taryn is like, yes, unfortunately, I am getting this. When Violet's like, hello, is no one else hearing this information? I'm confused. So the Griffin Riders take off. And they said, you know, are you armed? Good. Then it was our job to warn you. Good luck. And that was that. Like, so Violet starts asking questions about, like, what's going on like so let me say like venom exists and you know they are fighting outside of the wards because the wards make magic impossible that doesn't come from dragons and so they're attacking outside of the wards violet's really struggling to grasp the idea that they would let innocent people die outside of the wards when they have the power to fix it and she starts kind of like going through step by step of like, wait, are we actively letting people die? Like, what the fuck is going on? She questions whether or not Zayden has told her the truth about everything. And it's a whole, it's a whole fucking mess. It's a whole mess. But they have to keep moving to their outpost. Yeah. And she just keeps like questioning him, you know, like you twisted, you twisted the truth. Like what? What is going on? And Zayden's, you know, just reassuring her, like, I would never lie to you. No matter what you think, I've never lied to you. He just tells her, you know, it it is hurt it does hurt to rearrange everything you think you know. Like lies are comforting, truth is painful. He just says, like, I'm risking everything by telling you no. And she just kind of goes back and forth, like, because you have to. And he's like, no. Because if your best friend sees this memory, everything is lost. But it's like, no, he wouldn't do that. I'm like, girl, come on. <laughs> and Zayden's like, no, Dane wouldn't break a rule to save your life, Violet. What do you think he'd do if he had this knowledge? Okay. And, you know, she's like, what would Dane do? Like, would Dane respect her boundaries? And why would he, like, would he never look in the first place? Like, could she have built shields? Like, what could have she done to prevent this? She throws it back at Zayden, which I feel bad for him. He's like, what? Like, or she says, but you didn't trust me to know to do the right thing. And Zayden's just like, I just couldn't picture him like taking a breath and like just getting frustrated. Like, this is bigger than you and me, Violet. Like, like leadership won't stop anything to sit behind their wards and keep the venom secret. Um, and I want to note too, at the beginning of this chapter... We have another, like, snip from, like, the unedited history by Colonel Lewis Markham. And it just talks about Fenn Ryerson, you know, Zayden's dad, and how uh, Fenn accused the king and all who came before him of a conspiracy so vast, so unspeakable, that it does not bear repeating by this historian. It just makes me think, like, the conspiracy was definitely that the venom real. Like, the... The conspiracy that they've been like lying that they've covered up erased so much history like that's definitely the conspiracy that fenn like vocalized taryn and indarna have like a conversation with violet 
And and Dharma's like, well, like, we didn't lie. We just didn't tell you the truth, like a little child would do, basically. And Taryn is like, no, you know, she has every right to be angry with us. Like, we thought we were doing this to protect you, but make no mistake, like, this will not happen again. And she's, like, overcome with the guilt that her dragon feels for, you know, just really putting her in this position where she felt betrayed. But that's when she starts to realize and she's thinking because this whole book, they have really hammered home, not just how frail and small and impossible it would be for Violet to make it through this, but that she's genuinely one of the most intelligent people to ever make it through the Rider's Quadrant. Now she has a moment after she's like, you know, Taryn's emotions tamp down her like anger for everything. And she really thinks about Venon and the folklore and the, the book that she read a thousand times that her dad had written. And why, when she was talking to Jasenia earlier in the book, it didn't exist in the archives. We might not have talked about that, but it doesn't exist anywhere. And the scribes have every known piece of history, period, written down everywhere. It is protected. It is preserved for the last 400 years that was in there. So her dad had a, a forbidden book that he gave her. And so basically she's thinking like, okay, this is what's happening. Like one generation to change history and to erase it. And Taryn is in her head and is like, yes, that is what's happening. One generation changes the text, one chooses to teach it, the next grows, and then the lie becomes history. And that's basically what happened here. In the archives, they have everything for the last 400 years, mm -hmm. but their history spans 600 years. Yep. So, like, what's missing from those 200 years? And they make it to the outpost, and when they make it to the outpost, it's empty. They're doing a divided search, and Zayden immediately goes... I don't think this is a war game. Zayden's like, okay, we got to figure this out. So he asks her, I saw Dane tell you something before we left. He like whispered something to you. What did he say? And she's trying to remember. And he said, I'll miss you, Violet. And Zayden is like, Fuh. Garrick comes back because Garrick was running around. They're trying, you know, they did their divide and conquer. There was an envelope. And Zayden's like, Violet, like, I think I can feel, like, the panic where he's like, Violet, please tell me. Like, it was like, Harry, did you put your name in <laughs> to the Goblet of Fire? Like, right? <laughs> the movie version, not the book version. <laughs> yes. Um, and he's like, did you tell Dane? Did you tell him about my trips out here? Did you tell him anything? And then Zayden asks her, did Dane ever read your memories? And she's like, no, like, what? And Zay uh, Zayden puts his hand up to her face and cups it the way that Dane has and said, his power requires touching. This is, this is where, this is where my mind started to go. Hmm. Hmm. Because Zayden says, you know, Violet's like, he always touches me like that, but he would never read my memories. And Zayden's uh, face falls and he says, quote, no violence. Trust me, you wouldn't. Hmm. Yeah. Like, because he would just be like, 
no, like that's not how it works. Not like, oh no, no, yeah. you wouldn't. But then we find out that the letter is addressed to Zayden. And it's written in Colonel Ados's handwriting. And Zayden says that or he reveals that the letter says it says our mission is to survive if we can. And Zayden is described as like his face drains of all color and he just crumples the letter up and throws it away. And that's where Riley's like, yep, Dane read my memories without my permission and told his father everything. And Violet's like, I've betrayed Zayden. Like, betrayed yep. them all without even knowing it. And so the chapter ends with Zayden just saying, turning to his friends and just saying, we've been sent here mm -hmm. to die. From there, it gets crazy. I don't think that it's possible for us to describe this entire battle because it would take us three hours because we would literally just have to quote and read every line by line to get through it. So yes, let's do like an overarching, here's what happened, okay? But before this kind of bat, so the Wyvern and Venon are attacking this yeah. city. And the basically the cadets, the riders, have to decide mm -hmm. whether they want to stay and fight or continue on to the outpost. So it kind of is a challenge from the colonel, too, to see where their loyalties land. Violet is basically coming in and saying, like, She's checking, and Violet knows this book of fables inside and out. So she said at least there aren't any Wyvern, because the battle didn't start with the Wyvern. It started with just Venon, and Wyvern came in later. And she clarifies that fables say that Venon created the Wyvern to compete with dragons, and instead of channeling from them, channel power into them. So they were created specifically almost as like a a mythical antithesis to dragons to be like their mortal enemy is how I would describe it. And there are specific weapons required to kill Venon. Mm -hmm. So you have to get close enough because Venon cannot be killed by like traditional dragon magic. And so they all are just kind of talking before this like there's a good possibility that we're all going to die. Like if we stay here and fight there's no telling this outcome. Like, Zayden's being realistic. Like, we, you guys don't have to stay. We don't have to stay. Yep. Like, and they're all like, nope. Like, we're going to be here. Like, we can't let these civilians yep. down. And this is where, too, like, Violet realizes that she might be on the wrong side of history. And they all take a stand. Everyone stands with Zayden because Zayden has protected these, these guys for the entirety of their time in the War College, and Bodhi, who's his cousin, Garrick, Imogen, Liam, all of them, they stand up and they're like, no, our job as dragon riders is to protect the innocent and to protect the unprotected, and we will not leave here and allow these people to die to save ourselves. One of the, the Griffin riders was basically back at the lake was like, if you ever think you're going to convince a Soren Yale to risk their neck for anyone outside of their borders, then, like, you're sadly mistaken. And Violet says, uh, fuck that. And Taryn pops into her head and says, we will feast on their bones, Silver One. And I just <laughs> love him. And I think it's um, interesting, too, to note. So there's, like, special, like, daggers mm -hmm. that you can use to kill yep. the venom. 
and Zayden does give Violet one and she's like, did you steal this off my mom's desk? Like, this looks like my mom's mm-hmm. dagger. And he's like, no, but she probably has one. And so, you know, Violet's kind of coming to a conclusion like, yep, okay, I might die out there. Like, you know, Mira will understand. And mom, well, you know, she comments like the dagger on her desk means that she knows and has done nothing to stop yep. it. And she says, like, guess I'll be the second child she sacrifices to keep the existence of Venom a secret. Hmm. And it just makes me think, like, has Lilith really been keeping it a secret? Like, what is she up to? Like, I feel like she's going to be good. I hope she's good. I hope she is, too. But it makes me question. I feel like either her or Mira, I think one of the two of them is going to be on the right side and one is going to be on the wrong side. I think Mira's going to be on the wrong side. Because I think Mira's saying, like, find Dane mm-hmm. and stay away from Zayden. Yeah. I think that's definitely possible and I think it's definitely going to come down to some sort of familial battle. Yeah. Because even like her mom was like, you know, they're basically Violet and Zayden are together on necessity. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. Hey, I know. You know like, necessity for the rebellion. Yep. You know? Yeah. And um, even Sigail, like, comes up to like when they walk up to the dragon Sigail's like I knew you would make the right choice like we we knew and the one thing so because I noticed and remembered Sigail from right after the parapet on conscription day and how she gave Violet that like almost like chuff of approval yeah but it makes me wonder if that plan had been in place for a while because I don't know. Sigail strikes me as the kind of dragon to not hold back fire if she notices weakness in someone. And so Mm -hmm. Sigail specifically says, quote, you're a far cry from the trembling girl who stood in the courtyard and tried to mask her fear after parapet. I approve. And Violet does say, I wasn't asking for your approval. Which, I mean, just take the fucking dragon's approval, Violet. Just take it. Right. Just take your dragon's approval. And this is when Violet officially sees the wyvern. Yes. Too. So they're, like, everybody's kind of going back and forth and preparing. Like, Liam's using his farsight to try and, you know, get them a good idea of what they're walking into. And... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, like, when Violet and Liam were on their, like, days in um, the archives, they were taking, like, their daily report back to battle brief and we have mentioned it that there was a lot of stuff that was redacted on the daily battle brief and Violet's like holy shit this must be what's been redacted and so they see like a a dragon spewing like a streak of blue fire down a mountainside mm-hmm. and just like setting things on fire and she just is like in her head like blue fire and then she thinks like no no that's a wyvern like, um, and then she tells Zayden immediately, like, it has two legs, not four. It's not a dragon. It's a wyvern. And she says, like, maybe if I say it a few more times, she'll believe what she's saying. And just, like, holy shit, like, this is true. But Ooh. Ooh. Me reading ahead and being like, oh, shit, something else I didn't see. Um, because <laughs> General Malgren has the, like, ability to see battle outcomes. And... Violet's like, well, what happens when we get back? Like, they're going to know what happened here. And Zayden says, do you remember how I told you I realized it was a gift, not a curse? And 
he says, quote, just trust me because of this, Melgrim can't see a fucking thing. So now I'm sitting here after all mm. of our talking and after all of our theorizing going. Yeah. Huh. Wonder what that's about. Yeah, that's never noticed that line before, like being significant. Mm -hmm. As they're fighting, they're realizing that their magic is not necessarily the best um, defense against Venom and Wyvern. And so they have the special daggers, which again, they have to get close enough to the Venom to be able to physically attack them with the dagger. And Wyvern are a different beast. I think Terran called them an abomination um, or something along those lines. Um, I like to think of them as like genetically mutated, like shit, what we would think of like something is wrong. It is very intense. Like every line, every page from like 4.55 to the end is like bananas. So we lose Soleil. They are trying to protect these innocent people in the village that are being attacked. And they're, they're doing an okay job until... All of a sudden, there is, like, a Venon that's channeling powers from a Wyvern or to a Wyvern. And it is, it's not looking good. It's not good. And all they keep telling themselves and all Violet keeps telling herself is, like, whatever happens to me, whatever happens here, it will be worth it if these people are able to survive. Like, if these innocent people can make it, it will be worth it. So... We lost Soleil. We also lose our boy, Liam. No. Uh, but I want to note, before we lose him, this really confused me. And I also saw a TikTok about it, mm -hmm. too. That, like, it was said that Liam was wielding ice. Mm -hmm. Which is a, a powerful signet. It's not a lesser yeah. magic. So, just how, like, Liam's signet is farsight. So, how is he wielding ice I, and they might have said it in the TikTok, you might have the same vein. I think all of the rebellion children who are marked have two signets. I think almost you could have all the power you want from the dragons. It's quite possible. If the dragons trust you. That could be where they like, you know, maybe not all the powers, but, but they like, have access to more magic. Whatever powers available to the dragon. Like there's definitely got to be more than just one magic yeah. that I feel like the dragons Yeah. Need. I yeah I think it could it could definitely be that I think that it could be that the marked ones have more power than they realize because I wonder if like what if Liam's father was could wield ice and what if his yeah. death like something got passed on to him or something along those lines or I don't know but I definitely think that there's like because I think that Zayden can do more I think that Violet will be able to do more well, Zayden is, like, he's definitely going to be more than, like, a shadow daddy. Like, you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> well, and, too, so it's just, like, you know, we talk about knowledge as power and the children of the Rebellion yep. have the knowledge, right? Like, they know that the Venom are real and everything. So I feel like the Dragons trust them more and probably give them more power yep. than we're used to seeing. And it literally killed me. I'm not going to lie. Like... I this I have not cried for a book in a minute and I did cry I did I needed a second I had a feeling it was coming but it hurt me yeah I was just hoping because they like saved him once I was like all right we have him for at least another book yeah like they're not gonna put him in another life or death situation no but they did 
be valuable. But thanks, thank Rebecca. you. Thanks for you know. I'm glad we killed Jack, but uh, you could have cut the Liam a little. Yeah, bit it's fucking emotional damage that I was not prepared for and I didn't need. Like, absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but they're realizing like we lose Liam, and there's something with the. So, Taryn and Violet come to the conclusion that they think that the Wyvern and Venom are like a human and a bonded dragon, where that if you kill the Venom, the Wyvern will also be injured or die. And it ends up being the case because, whereas, like, at the beginning, they say, you know, a dragon without his rider is a tragedy, but a rider without its dragon is dead. So, Liam, before he dies, warns Violet... Let's her know that there's two riders, which, like Britt says, the riders and the wyvern are connected. And the riders are the ones who, you know, make these wyverns, yep. right? So if you kill the two riders, all the wyvern are going to be yep. dead. Which is easier than kind of focusing on the wyvern, like you focus on the riders. Yes. Oh, and can we just quickly say Liam's last fucking words were like, it's been my honor. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. Get out of here. I can't fucking do it. Um, but he does also tell Violet to basically like promise her that he's gonna she'll take care of his sister next year when she enters the Riders Quadrant. And she was basically like the, the, any, the anything you need, sir. Anything you need. So they get through this battle. Some crazy shit happens, but they end up, there is a venom that ends up on the back of Taryn while Violet's riding. And Violet does manage to kill this venom, but this venom also manages to stab Violet with what they imagine is some sort of like folklorean poison that is now invading yeah. her body. And the venom says some kind of weird stuff to Violet, too, before. He does. So, I'm gonna... Okay, I'm just gonna quote this whole thing, because there's no way I can summarize this. So, she's realizing that these venom are students, and they have teachers. So, Violet's wound, yeah, begins to burn, because the tip of the knife is, like, no longer green. Like, the... Whatever was on the tip of the knife that the venom stabbed her with is now inhabiting her body. And the venom says, quote, Such untapped power. No wonder we were called here. You could command the sky to surrender all its power, and I bet you don't know what to do with it, do you? Riders never do. I'm going to split you open and see where all that astonishing lightning comes from. Or maybe I'll let him do it. You'll wish for death if I hand you over to my sage. Violet's like, what the fuck? So not only are these things real... They have teachers. They probably have a whole school, like we do, to be writers. And we're just pretending that this is like a fable that we can't find anywhere in our archives and they don't exist because we just don't go outside of our wards. Yeah, sure. That's fine. And then finally she does kill the venom. Uses the dagger. And Taryn realizes, wait a second, Violet, you're hurt. And Violet's like, I'm fine. Yep. Like... No worries. Um, and she says, like, dark black blood just sludges through her fingers. Mm -hmm. She's just worried she's going to be, like, too weak to wield coming soon. And now her mind is, you know, her best weapon. And This is where they do realize, like, 
the wyvern have started falling from the sky because they were created by the venom that Violet killed. So that was the key to getting them was to kill their person that's associated with them. And so Violet and Taryn, they're just a force. They I are. just love Violet and Taryn. I do too. And Violet's like plan is like hatching as she goes. Mm-hmm. She's like really like set on this. She's like, yep. Okay. Yep. That's the general like her and Taryn have both kind of like confirmed that, right? Like that's who they need to go after. Mm-hmm. And Violet's like, Zayden, I need you to drop the shadows. And yep. He's like, are you kidding me? No, we're, like that's going to be the end of us. Yep. And um, Sigal, like the same way as like Taryn, like no, you know, Violet and Taryn are just like, all right, let's do this. Like spot the most powerful rider. And, you know, once I've taken that rider out, that leaves one and then Zayden kill that one. And the Wyvern are all full. Yep. Violet reassures him, like, you've gotten us this far. Like, you need to trust me. Violet does exactly what the Venom told her to do. She opens the sky. Mm-hmm. She starts wielding her lightning. Taryn's screaming at her, though. Like, if she keeps doing it, she's going to burn herself out. And she's also been poisoned on top of that. So she's not as strong as she was. So they kind of go back and forth. Like, Taryn is very much like, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn yourself out. Like... I don't want to see a rider die because they don't know their limitations. Mm-hmm. And Violet just reassures him, like, I know exactly what I'm capable of. But Violet throws, like, his old rider at Taryn, which I didn't really like. I was like, come on, Violet. But, yeah. And she just says, like, I'm not Naolin. And uh, fear, she says fear threatens to consume her. And she realizes that it's not her terror, that it's Taryn's. Yeah. And I think, like, that just kind of, like, Bringing up that name for Taryn, I feel like just kind of like, yeah, put his defenses up a little bit and like kind of, I don't know. I feel like it frustrated him, you know, because yeah. he doesn't want to lose Violet. Like he lost his past rider. And Darna comes in to help because she's like, let me help. Like this sweet baby angel. Like this sweet darling. Right? So she finally got the lightning down in place to where it needed to go. And it kills the venom at the first touch. And he falls off the wyvern. And then... Zayden kills another venom. And then Violet, knowing that she just saved all of them, she said that she let gravity claim her body and slide off of Taryn's back. And as she's falling, she gets saved by Andarna. This sweet... Sweet child just has been the number one, number one girl, hype girl. We love her. So she's in a, in another place when she wakes up. She's trying to, like, get a grip on what's happening. And they end up, they don't know what to do. So they lost Soleil and Liam, but everyone else is alive, except for some of the Griffin Riders. And they realize that it's poison because, like Hannah said, her blood is fucking black. Also, as Zayden says, like, so they say that they're taking her. Where is it? Oh, Zayden says they're going to take her somewhere closer. And they end up taking her to Aridia. Like, you know, they get there to the place and... Violet's, you know, in and out, right? And she just hears, like, a voice say, Zayden. And it says a familiar voice calls out, but I can't place it. So many strangers and no friends. 
and uh, Zayden just says, you have to save her. Mm-hmm. Which this familiar voice, we find out who it is. We sure do, because the last chapter of this book is from Zayden's perspective. And the little snip at the top of the chapter is just, you're all cowards. And that's the last words of his dad. Yep. Zayden is like, basically, Violet breathes, he breathes, she doesn't breathe, he doesn't breathe. It's just been a nightmare for him. But Sigal says she'll be all right. And Zayden's like, you don't fucking know that. But him and Taryn are kind of arguing because, like, he's like, I will never let you keep information from her for this long. Again, ever. And she's suffering because of this. And Zayden says, he can yell at me as long as he wants, as long as her heart's beating. He's grappling with, like, the... She can't die. Not just because, like, I could die because of it, because now our, you know, we're the riders of the Maid of Dragons, but because I cannot physically live without her. Like, I cannot picture a world without Violet in it. Yeah, and he just goes through and, like, just recounts all the times that he, like, fell for Violet before mm-hmm. they even kissed. Yeah. Like, how she conquered the gauntlet, defended Endara at the threshing. You know, when Orin was about to kill her, and just when she smiled at him after mastering her shield a mere minutes, and just that he, like, has been consumed by her for so long. Yep. And he's just mad, like, he never told her, and he just, like, didn't want to kind of reveal everything without being totally honest with her. And he just remembers, like, the look of betrayal that she had when they first landed and saw the Griffin Riders. Mm-hmm. That he's like kind of jolted from his kind of introspective monologue because like her sheets rustle. Yeah. And he comments that she's awake and he immediately wants to see her side, like where she was stabbed because there was like black veins and everything from the poison. And then now it's just like a thin silver scar on her hip. (laughs) And he like tells her, like, I thought I was going to lose you. And she's just like, you aren't going to lose me. And just, like, smiling. And it's just like, what does she know? Like, I feel like she knows something, too. <laughs> yeah. And we also learned that Aridia was rebuilt. And they've been rebuilding this town from the ruins. That's where they keep going on these trips. She, Zayden's also like, has she lost her memories? Like, how much do you remember? She, like, pauses and kind of checks in with her dragons and... Um, Zayden is like, you know, don't panic. Everything's fine. And he's like, and Darna isn't quite the same, but she's her. And so Zayden's perspective, like he's the narrator. So he says, she's fucking huge now, but I'm not about to say that to Violet. <laughs> and her gift is also gone, according to Taryn. Mm-hmm. But there's plenty of t- time to share that news. So it just like makes me like, what happened to Andarna? Like, yeah. I've heard so many theories. I have too. There's one theory in particular that I'm like, I feel like this could be, like, true about her. Um, We'll talk about that in, like, two minutes when we finish up here. (laughs) But Violet, like, looks around and realizes that they're in Aridia. And she's like, I thought this was burned. Like, this isn't supposed to be here. 
you know, Zayden's just like, what a brilliant fucking woman. Like, of course she would re like recognize this. And I think that mm -hmm. Violet's training as a scribe is truly her biggest asset because having the knowledge of everything, like these, some of these kids have no idea what the fuck is going on. And she knows no. so much about everything. And, yeah. and she asked too, like, why haven't I like read about this? Yeah. And this is where we kind of find out that like she starts to, like you said, right? Like her knowledge, like she's able to piece things together that not mm -hmm. a lot of people can. Yep. And she's like, the rebellion relic. Like that's why Melgren can't see the outcome mm -hmm. when more than three of you are together. Yep. That's why you're not allowed to assemble. So since there's more of them there, like Melgren can't see the outcome of the battle. Yep. And they also said, yeah, and we're not really big enough to warrant the attention of the scribes. Like, mm -hmm. we're not hidden, but we're not advertising our existence either. Yep. Zayden tells everyone, so he tells Amari, Bodhi, everyone that's remaining, Garrick, that Violet's awake. And they say that she's going to have to choose. Like, Violet's going to have to decide if they keep, like, if she keeps their secret or if she doesn't. Then they're also like, okay, well, if she does keep the secret, then how, like, she has to hide it from Dane. Like, she has to fucking hide it. And Zayden's like, listen, basically, this man is just, like, so grateful that she's alive that he doesn't give a fuck about what comes next. Like, they will figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, Zayden is treading lightly because Violet is fucking mad at him. Like, once things started to come back to her, once she talked to Taryn, like, she's pissed. Like, she still has love for Zayden, but she's like... After you withheld this important information from me, like, I don't know how I can ever trust you again. They start talking and he just is like, are you in? Like, are you willing to fight with us after all that happened? Mm -hmm. And she just says, I'm in immediately. And it's hard to believe that she would have made any other decision given how much she knows. And her watching all of these fables that she grew up on literally coming to life in the form of her having to murder them to survive. Like, I think that would change right. anyone. And like that letter from her dad too. Mm -hmm. I think just like that solidifies like, okay. Yep. Like she needs to be on the right side of history. You know, Violet told him like, listen, cause Zayden admits like, it took me a long time to trust you and to realize that I fell for you and I won't make that mistake again, more or less. And she's like, listen, you get my trust freely one time after that, it does not come free. And I don't blame her. Yeah. You know, he's like, I fucked up. This, this is my bad. But mm -hmm. I, like, I love her. And Zayden's, like, having this, like, softer moment. You know, they're just, they're just kind of going back and forth. And, you know, there's a, there's a knock at the door. And then another insistent knock at the door. He tells Violet, like, you have not a lot of time. You better ask me one more question before everything, this happens. She asks, oh, I'm still hoping that Missive at Athabine was really about the war games. Do you think there's any chance we just happened to end up in the middle of a wyvern attack at that outpost? And then another voice comes in. He says, quote, that definitely wasn't an accident, little sister. And she looks up, panicked. And Zayden tells her that, you know, I, I knew some better poison masters and that you were not healed you were mended and she just says brennan and the book ends 
with Brennan smiling, and he just says, Welcome to the revolution, Violet. Yay! So, our boy Brennan. I am so happy. I'm like, I missed a lot of foreshadowing just through the book. So, like, I, like, I know some people are like, oh, I saw that coming a mile away. I did not. (laughs) I did. I didn't. I did later on. Like, once the conversation with Liam, probably, right? Yeah, I don't... I don't know when I started thinking. I'm like, her brother's definitely alive. Yeah. Like, her brother's definitely alive. Um, I mean, I was hoping. Like, I didn't know for sure yeah. because I'm really bad at picking yeah. up on foreshadows. <laughs> really bad. So I was just hoping that he was alive. Like, either... I was hoping it would either be her father yes. or Brennan. But I think they described, like, Brennan's body was, like, too mangled or something mm-hmm. to bring back. And so that's when I started to think, like, maybe... Maybe yeah. he is alive. So that was our very like sporadic scattered interpretation and discussion about fourth wing. Um guys, I don't listen. There's too much to go through. There are I have to look up their podcast name because I have seen them and I actually I feel like I kind of want to listen to them because I would love to know their theories. The fantasy fangirls. Yes. So the fantasy fangirls have a podcast. So they started this podcast back in September. So they really like they took off with this pretty much. But um, so the Fantasy Fangirls have a podcast and I feel like what is it? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight episodes plus multiple bonus episodes about Fourth Wing, Iron Flame, Predictions. And all of them are like over an hour, like an hour and a half, close to two hours long. Some are over two hours long. So when I tell you that we missed a lot, (laughs) we missed a lot, but I hope you still enjoyed it. I feel like it was really fun to talk about a world that's completely different than anything that we've read on the podcast. I want to talk about just a few theories that we kind of sprinkled in like throughout. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple of theories one that we recently just touched on i saw in some of these series i saw on tiktok some i've read like just in articles online some i kind of thought of on my own and then were reinforced by seeing stuff about them but the one theory about indarna that i really like and i think could be possible is that she is from a royalty lineage which would explain why she's literally golden shiny sparkly and someone like or a dragon like Taryn. Who has not bonded with a writer since he lost his last one and had no interest in bonding until she was unprotected and was going to die i think that that's a possibility for sure yeah i think there's definitely something to like her lineage like whether she's royalty or her parents were part of the rebellion too Mm -hmm. you know and so um like they're looking out for her in that same way. Like, I, I want to know from like the dragon's perspective too. Yeah, like who's on what side? Me too. You know, because they all seem to be like close and together. But I'm like, Taryn and Sagal are definitely pro rebellion. Like they definitely know, hundred percent. And I think it'll be interesting. I hope we see more of like how the governing bodies of like the dragons operate. 
Because, like Taryn said, they have their own set of rules and they don't have to listen to any of, like, the earthly dwellings of humans, basically. The humans are at the beck and call of the dragons. So I do hope we mm -hmm. see more of that. We talked about it earlier, I think, too, but I do think that Lilith did start the storm when Violet was crossing the parapet. Mm -hmm. Whether it was to eliminate other cadets to give Violet a... A, a challenge that she had to face because if she couldn't do that then she definitely couldn't handle the next steps of the process or to rid like just get rid of her daughter which I think any of those are a possibility it just depends on what side of the coin you fall on like where do you think Lilith is yeah because I feel like they're so complex and like the fact that they're even choosing to like bond with humans I just want to know kind of what what that history looks like with them. Yeah, because Violet mentioned, I was rereading as we were going through the end, like the story of how there were like two people that found a way to bond with the dragons. and But there's no like in-depth discussion, at least that I can remember about the the, the history behind it. Um, and two, I want to know about like the three brothers. Yes. Like it reminds me of Harry Potter, like the three brothers, mm -hmm. you know, with the Deathly Hollows, but like, so what's that story like the three brothers right like, yeah the dragon the griffin and the venom basically yeah I'm just trying to figure that out yeah what are we doing like the lion the witch and the wardrobe like what's happening uh, <laughs> right i saw someone say this theory that i think is like a little far-fetched but i do kind of love it that violet is actually a child of the rebellion and the reason that she had to enter the rider's quadrant was because she was a like a child of the rebellion the reason that her father was killed was because he was part of the rebellion and Violet's memories were perhaps erased um, to protect her or something like that. And like she was not aware. And that's why Zayden knows her from before. And that's why like her mom forced her to become a writer instead of a scribe at the last minute. Or her mom forced her to become a writer instead of a scribe because she knew what was coming and knew that the knowledge that her dad had armed her with would help them in the long run there are so many mm -hmm. ways that this could be taken i know so if we go with that theory mm -hmm. it makes me think that lilith is not on the side of the rebellion mm -hmm. that like she had her husband killed yeah um and like part of the like she kept you know in a secret almost yeah and that's why Violet does have to go to the writer's quadrant. Mm -hmm. And because there's also a theory like with um, Zayden's 107 scars, like why does he have a scar for himself? Yeah. And maybe Violet is like the other person or whatever. I feel like that could, I could believe that for sure. And then if that's the case, I would then think that Mira and Lilith would be one on one side and then Brennan and Violet would be on the other if that's how if that theory reigns true mm -hmm. that's not a bad theory I would say this is why like even if whether you hated loved fourth wing like I was right in the middle mm -hmm. like I love like conspiracy theories yeah. and like theorizing and like picking up things and that's like I love talking about this stuff that's yeah. why I love the book is be like hmm, this could be a possibility this could be a possibility did you think this yeah and also there's a theory that um maybe dane doesn't even need to be touching your face to read your memories oh. and he just needs to be touching you um so he, when dane and liam were sparring mm. he could have picked up memories from liam then that's quite possible too so it could have just not been from from violet 
Violet, it could have been from Liam. Yeah. I think Dane is far more powerful and scary than he was made to be in the book. I mean, I really don't want a redemption arc for Dane. I'm not going to lie. I hope that he doesn't get a redemption arc. And if he does, I hope it's the greatest redemption arc I've ever read in my life. So I'm not mad at him anymore. Like, right? Like, I think Violet, I like the theory about her being like a child of the rebellion. But I don't like the theory that she's part venom. I don't like that theory either. I'm not like, I don't know. There's something about it that I'm like, because that theory goes hand in hand with the fact that her dad wasn't killed, but he actually was turned into a venom. If you saw that, and like, yeah, could it happen? Maybe. But I just don't think Lilith would have let that happen. If that makes sense, I agree. Like, I feel like Lilith is powerful. That she would have been like, nope. Huh? Like, that's, she has the dagger. Like, she can easily stop that, right? Yeah. So I feel like, if anything, like, he was poisoned and that's why his heart gave out mm-hmm. instead of, you know, I don't know. No, I agree. Um. And, too, with the dragons, right? I hope we, like you said, we learn more about the dragons itself, like, mm-hmm. themselves. Because, too, like, less and less dragons are coming to bond with riders, too. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, hmm, like, what's up with the dragons, right? Yeah. Like, why? And all the marked ones are bonded. Yeah. Like, it's never the rebellion kids that mm-hmm. are unbonded. They have to be a part of the greater picture. Too. No, 100%. No, I was just going to say, I just read this, and it just, like, clicked. So the dragons gave the um, the children of the rebellion their rebellion relic, mm-hmm. right? So that's where their other signet could come from. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that all of the Rebellion kids will have at least two signets. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they definitely have more powers, but that makes sense to me as to, like, maybe why. You know, the, each relic. Mm-hmm. Which I, I do think Zayden can read minds. I really do. But watch me be so fucking wrong. <laughs> like... Right. <laughs> but it was just at the end specifically when he was like, no, you wouldn't. Like, you would not know if someone was reading your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I could go off on some, like, unhinged theories. Oh, for too, sure. That, like, I don't think are there. But I'm excited to see where, where it takes it. Okay. But it was fun. It was, it was fun. fun. Yeah. Are we ready to talk about our songs? Our songs. Now? It's been so long. <laughs> My first song that I had chosen is Don't Blame Me by Taylor Swift. And to be honest, it really is just the crazy, intense, like, vibe, feeling, attraction that Zayden and Violet have. And there are a couple of lines. Like, she said, it's for you i would cross the line i would waste my time i would lose my mind they say she's gone too far this time i mean like come on like don't blame me love made me crazy specifically like my name is whatever you decide and i'm just gonna call you mine because he calls her violence the whole fucking time and i just i don't know i love it and you know for you i would fall from grace just to touch your face if you walked away i beg you on my knees to stay i just like the whole song the whole song is them 
Oh yeah. I mean, as a reputation girl. Yeah. You don't you don't have to sell me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a violet coated song yes. for sure. And it's just like the I get so high every time you're loving me. They lit like trip of my life. They're like bucket like fucking busted <laughs> windows. There's trees on fire outside. Like I have more to say specifically about state of grace like the the lyrics and how they relate this was a pure like this relates to them the vibe is them reputation is them i have to pick this song um and the one mm -hmm. last line i'm going to say is this little chunk was echoes of your name inside my mind halo hiding my obsession i once was poison ivy but now i'm your daisy where like they fought so hard and he was so fucking mean to her for the beginning because he like was pushing it away and he had to be but yeah i just there's there's no way the song doesn't fit like and now i want to listen to it at full blast or like relive the era's chore where like it's a take me to church moment so <laughs> right don't blame me for what you made me, me do <laughs> um but no don't blame me that's a great a great choice I almost picked it a few books ago, so I'm glad. Yay. Glad I got saved for this one. <laughs> All right. All so right. my first song was I We Were Trouble. Love. This one came to mind too, for sure. And it's just like a classic song. Mm -hmm. Classic Taylor Swift. But just like a few of the lines, right? Like, I was near sights. You got me alone. You found me. Okay. You know, and then also... Uh, when I fell hard, you took a step back without me. Just like, you know, when Violet fell, like, Zayden definitely was already fallen, but he kind of stepped back because he was kind of nervous about it. Totally. And almost to tie it to don't blame me, like, she says in here, like, the blame is on me. You know? So it's like, <laughs> um, like, pre, almost, like, when they give in for the don't blame yep. me. But just literally, you know, this part where, because I knew you were in trouble when you walked in, like, she knew to stay away from Zayden. Yeah, 100%. But she didn't. So it was shame on me now. You know, flew me to places I've never been. Yeah. You know, they fly on dragons. <laughs> <laughs> um, And so just like this to me was like early Violet, right? Just being like, yep, Zayden's trouble. Like I knew he was trouble. Pretend he doesn't know that he's the reason why. Mm -hmm. Like I'm drowning and um, almost like her jealousy too where I like. I heard you moved on from whispers on the street. I'm like, Violet. Like, yeah. On. Um, and also, like, kind of goes into when she felt that, like, betrayal. Almost, like, in the saddest fear comes creeping in that mm -hmm. you never loved me or her or anyone or anything. But definitely just made me, like, think, like, that vibe is just, like, yep, she knew he was trouble. But, yeah. you know, she just kind of let herself uh, dive into it anyway. Which kind of like, that's what the song is to me. Just like, you know, I see this guy. He could be a fuckboy, but I'm going for it. Like, I knew he was trouble. Yeah. Like, that is a violent coded for song it. for sure. I like that one a lot. I like Don't Blame Me and I Know You're in Trouble were two very one and the same, like, vibes. Mm -hmm. I love that though. Perfect. All right. So my second song is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs of all time, and I was so excited to be able to pick it. So my second song was State of Grace, and I just fucking love this song so much. But the reason that I picked it specifically 
the first section not so much it's like very current but it starts like the i don't even know what to call it but it just says and i never saw you coming and i'll never be the same and the second verse is you come around and the armor falls pierce the room like a cannonball and now all we know is don't let go we are alone just you and me up in your room and our slates are clean and i was like yeah that's like the moment where they let everything else just like fall away and they were together and then me just reading all of the lyrics to the song because i feel like they all apply <laughs> but the next line is so you are never a saint and i loved in shades of wrong we learn to live with the pain mosaic broken hearts but this love is brave and wild it's one of my favorite lines i love it so the mosaic broken hearts yep. i love that part yeah and like this is just it's kind of in the vein of like i knew you were trouble where like we knew that we were kind of built to fall apart but we're going to do it because this love is worth it to me no matter how deep it's going to cut no matter how bad it's going to hurt us and specifically the so you were never a saint and i loved in shades of wrong like they just were not supposed to be together but they just could not stay away and the one specific line so the one part that i think summarizes the whole their whole relationship was this is a state of grace this is the worthwhile fight love is a ruthless game unless you play it good and right and then she said like these are the hands of fate you're my achilles heel and so i thought that was a thing too even for zayden like you're my achilles heel i try so hard to push you away and i just fucking can't because we're like intrinsically connected and yeah and then even to like this is the golden age of something good and right and real and i just was like the cover it's gold and indarna is gold and i was like i don't know i just I picked so many other songs that I would just write down as I was reading, but those were the first two that I thought of. And at the end, those were the last two that I had in my mind. So. I love it. Yeah. I knew your trouble was just playing like Zayden Link. Yep. I can just picture him. Yeah. Um, as that guy. But yeah, my second song is Only the Young. Yes. Um, by Taylor Swift. And I mean, this song is very much to me like, a rebellion song you know yes 100 um, and you know in the second verse it says the game was rigged the ref got tricked the wrong ones think they're right you were outnumbered this time and so just you know talking about kind of the war right like yeah now violet sees that the wrong ones think they're right you know these generals and the king that are kind of erasing history mm -hmm. And there's a line, too, in the beginning that just says frozen in time, and it just reminded me of Andara, too. Yeah. Then later on, it's, you know, oh, how quickly they forget they aren't going to help us. Too busy helping themselves. They aren't going to change this. We got to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And they think that it's over, but it's just <laughs> begun. And, you know, the chorus is literally only the young, only the young. And so it makes me think, you know, these this generation right like kind of what her father said like it takes one generation so this generation of these you know young 20 um early 20 year olds right are going to be the ones to change absolutely change the future and you know it ends with basically saying like don't say you're too tired to fight it's just a matter of time 
up there is the finish line. Yeah. So just kind of, I know that motivation and just like, you know, they're the ones that are going to make that change. Yeah. Like only the young can do that. And that's where like Violet and her, her friends and her, um, team there are going to be the ones to change history. Yeah. That's such a good pick. Such an underrated Taylor Swift song. I love it. Yeah. So are we ready to talk book ratings? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Ours are going to be very different. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, so as a, a non-adult fantasy reader, and then we have Hannah, who is an adult fantasy reader, two very different perspectives on this book. Um, for me, I went into this completely blind with just knowing what I've seen on TikTok and stuff from it. And I was hooked from page three. It gave me the thrill that I had when I was reading when I was a young adult and a teenager again. For once, I was able to just completely melt away into another world that was easily consumable. Was it the greatest writing that I've ever read in my entire life? Of course not. Like, there's definitely some issues with the writing, but I looked past all of that for just the thrill and the, the fun that I had with this book. To me, this was the easiest five moon rating that I've given out on this podcast. Again, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's amazing. And I'm so excited for Iron Flame. I can look past all of the deficiencies that this book had for just like, I have never been able to recreate the feeling that I had with like Divergent, Hunger Games, The Maze Runner, where I needed to consume the content as quickly as humanly possible. And it was impossible for me to like absorb it as fast as I wanted to. So that's why I gave my, my five moon rating understandable yeah. um yeah my writing is three saturns mm -hmm. and that's only because i have read a lot of fantasy and i'm horrible at comparing yeah. things um but i enjoyed this book i will read the whole series so definitely pick it up don't let my rating steer you away because Brittany did it five moons which is great um yeah yeah we can talk off air about all my all the things I didn't <laughs> like, but I try it hard, right? I preach almost every podcast. Either I say it or Brittany says it. Like, let a book be a book. Yep. Um, so I definitely did do that with this one, and I enjoyed reading it, and I can't wait for the next one. But yep. I am going to stick firm on my my three Saturns here. No, I respect that because if I – I feel like if I had read a lot more fantasy, I would probably have a similar rating. But this was, like, my re-entry into adult fantasy, and for that, I took it for what it was worth and – Definitely. just ran with it and honestly, i mean i will not shut up about this book so I yeah mean, that's what i'm saying it's, like it's there it's got some good <laughs> and if you put our ratings together it's four which is a great recommendation see and Perfect. everyone should read it <laughs> yep so all right we ready to reveal our next book our next book i'm so excited this book i'm excited for i've heard i haven't heard too much about it but i did see it was one of um, marisa's book club picks which um, are usually pretty good, and it was on Book of the Month um, for October. You want to reveal it for it? So, our next book is going to be Starling House by Alex E. Haro. Yeah. Yeah, a gorgeously modern gothic fantasy. Yeah. So, so we're kind of sticking, like, I don't know. It's same vein, you know, we'll do 
more of like a, a gothic or fun fantasy November. And then we have some holiday stuff planned for December. Yes, we can't wait for you to join us. Um, thank you so much for listening. Um, make sure if you haven't already, follow us on social media. Join our Discord. Um, we're hoping to get that up and running so you guys can um, give us recommendations because, I mean, our TBRs are huge, but we'd love to read what you're reading or you want to read um, so we can have some good discussions about it too. Um, but we're so happy that you listened to our birthday episode. Our birthday episode. Yes. So thank you all so much. Yeah, we appreciate it. If you could like, rate, and review the podcast, if you've been enjoying it, that is very helpful. We would really appreciate it. And like Hannah said, follow us on socials, join our Discord. I know this book has a lot of discourse surrounding it. So all opinions are welcome, whether you liked it, didn't like it, had problems with it, you had no problems with it. I love that reading is so subjective and that people do get passionate about what they read. But that's the beauty of books is that there's literally something for everyone. And yeah, so thank you guys so much again for tuning in. We appreciate everything. Check our Spotify playlist that will be updated about a week after the episode goes up just so we don't spoil anything and we, you know, have a little bit of time to listen. So yes, we will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you all so much. Bye. Bye.